Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being back with us here. It is episode number 173 here on Monday, 420, April the 20th, 2020. A lot of 20s there. We're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always. I'm Joe Murata alongside Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy diddy. So what's going on, Mike? Oh, nothing. Just, just romping? You know, just romp. Romp in my apartment. Just yeah. romping around in your apartment. You know, yeah. how, you know how it is. I do know how it is, and folks, you know how it is, too. We hope you're all doing all right here as we guide you through another week in the world of retro wrestling. Hope you're doing okay out there. Uh, we have some good topics in store for you today. We think they're good anyway. We'll have to find I out. I think they're pretty good. I think they should be pretty good. I think they're good, good ones. They're classics. Classic but, topics here, so yeah. get ready for that. Plenty more action coming, folks. But before we get to all that good action, if you have Twitter, you can follow us there, at OVP Podcast. What we do there is post video clips. On a daily basis, uh, some obscure stuff, some common stuff, fun stuff. Check it out. At all the o- best. All the best stuff, all the best really. Classics. Yes, all the classics over at... On demand. OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you use email. Yes. Uh, electronic mail. Yeah, it's, That's it's what a, it stands for. It's a very for. popular uh, postal method. It is. It's a good postal very method. Official. Very official. Official. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm becoming British, like the review here. <laughs> and you could uh, send us a post at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's another place that's very official. And uh, you can talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics. That's over on Facebooks. Yeah, Facebook.romp. It's a, <laughs> it's a site where we romp. We romp hard. About all the topics in all of the retro wrestling. All the relevant topics in retro wrestling. There's a lot of it. Like Dino Bravo, you know, is a big one, obviously. Yeah, like Gene Snitsky's beard. Yes, Gene Snitsky's beard is another one. It's, you know. a, it's an incredible place, and you know how you get there. No, I don't. There's a search bar. Okay. And you type in this search bar. You type, our vantage point, death, retro wrestling podcast, bing bang boob, tubes, gore, kaflooey. You hit the join button, you're in. That's it? That's it. That's it's all, all you have to do? Yeah. It's free, right? It is free. Okay, cool. So, I, heard, I heard it was. <laughs> You've it's heard still it was. free. Keeping the cost down there of this Facebook group. It's One, efficient. It's very official. Uh, once you get to that group, you can talk to me and Quinn, like I said, the hundreds of other retro, retro wrestling fans. You can ask questions. You can post topics. get clarifications on things. Take a poll. Whatever you want to do. The one rule, the biggest rule we have is don't be a what, Quinn? Dingus. Don't be a dingus. Don't be a dingus. (laughs) And if you don't know what that means, just ask one of us. We have operators standing by that are happy to answer your questions. So many operators. (laughs) Tons of them. They're in switchboards. Yes, they are. They're like, uh, what what questions do you have about specifically the board? (laughs) Yes. But really, just be nice to each other. Be respectful. Debate. Disagree. That's obviously fine. Just have a good time over there on our Facebook group. And uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to support the show. Thank you to everyone recently who has jumped on board. It's been really wonderful. It's been it, wild. It really. Really, it's been wooly. But patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That'll get you all of the extra content that we offer, including the pay-per-view reviews. Survivor Series 89 is out right now. Coming up in May will be Royal Rumble 90. We're going to be kicking off the 90s in May. 
That'll be fun. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. It is. We're really getting to the tail end of the golden era, I, honestly. I, I can't <laughs> believe we've done that many pay-per-views. It's pretty crazy, actually, and it's, folks. It, it really, I feel like it just hasn't, we haven't been doing it that long. That's I know. what I mean. It's, a little like, over it's, it's a amazing, right? It's amazing. And if you want in on that action, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Michael. Yes. This season, we're taking a look at some things from our past fandom you know quinn and i have been retro wrestling fans for over 50 years combined over which is, 50 years it's amazing it's a lot it's a long time the world wrestling federation was invented when yes. we when we started watching wrestling See, exactly and uh you know over time some things maybe that you used to like maybe now you don't or maybe there's somebody or something that you didn't appreciate and now you do you know preferences change opinions change sometimes your perspective changes and this is a little segment we like to call fresh perspective The sound of freshness. Hi, King. Hi, King. I always think King <laughs> when that comes on. It's not even his music. But. No. So uh, Quinn and I are alternating this season, giving each other something that we have a fresh perspective on. It could be a wrestler. It could be a time period. Like Quinn talked about the pre-Hulkamania era last week. Pre-Hulka. And we started this segment off two weeks ago with uh, me talking about the honky-tonk man. Pre-Honka. So, Pre-Honka. <laughs> yeah. So this week, it is my pick. Maybe a little bit of controversy here. Maybe a little bit of a surprising one. But Quinn, I have a fresh perspective on Todd Pettengill. My name is Todd Pettengill. Actually, all over the world. Just thought I'd point that out. What? Yes, I what, do. What do you mean? Okay, I'll tell you what I mean. When I was a kid, now I grew up smack dab, as did you, Quinn. Yes, I did. In the middle of the Pettengill era. The guy was everywhere. Yeah, it wasn't 50 years, but <laughs> no. like we said before, but yeah, when we started watching, it was... He was, was on everything. Really, it was Todd Pettengill mania. Why couldn't I get the Monday Night Raw gig? Nine o'clock, Monday night... Yes, L- like literally. literally on Mania, but it was it was a shit time, and it was like, well, was, kids, yeah. like, why don't you dance around and make sure you get your free gift and all this bullshit? Right, like, right. Did you get your free gift when you rented this video? I don't know. It was Todd hosting Mania on uh, on USA Network. It was Todd and Doc on oh Action Zone. Oh my god! Don't. Okay, this is what I don't get about this. Fresh you go ahead. Go this ahead. Todd and Doc. Okay, go ahead. Ha- to me, that disqualifies any fresh perspectives. <laughs> okay, well. Because Quinn has a note, if you're newer to the show, Quinn has a notorious dislike for the Todd and Doc duo. It's so bad that, you know, our fans bought me the Doc (laughs) picture. I got him sitting back here behind me. The the chin picture. The chin picture thing. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not here, okay, to try to tell you that the Todd and Doc duo are good. But here's what I want to get to, right? (laughs) I, much like you, have held the opinion for a very long time that this guy's a dork. Got my Bret Hart keychain working. And a lot of the internet, you know, the IWC and all the things that used to be, you know, either parroting Meltzer or, you know, on RSPW, FAQ, whatever the hell it is, that old message board. Recreation, you know, all, sports, <laughs> yes, and wrestling or whatever right. it is. Where all these opinions, you know, just converge into one glob of IWC, you know, mm-hmm. generally held discourse and stuff like that. Shut up. You know, that Todd was just, he sucked. He was a dork. Same thing with Moody. You know, they sucked. They sucked. They sucked. No, Todd didn't suck. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you why. I'm going to, no, I'm going to okay. tell you why he didn't. Okay. As best so I can. Convince me, Joe. I'll do my best, okay? okay. He was hired in January of 93. Mm-hmm. The first show he did, incidentally, was Mania. He then replaced Mooney as the backstage interviewer well, uh, that's good. around the time of WrestleMania 9. And then he also did a lot of voiceovers and a lot of countdown shows and things like that. Welcome, everyone. My name is Todd Pettengill. This is your WrestleMania 10 countdown show. Here's what was good about Todd Pettengill in all seriousness. Laying aside his very bizarre attempts at humor on Action Zone 
and on Mania. That are very dated. Now. Very dated. When and you watch, you're like, why is he talking about OJ? Right. Like, why is he... <laughs> why is he doing Wayne's World? And pre- you know, yeah. Shaw. Like, yeah. Stuff like that. Red, Red, Red and first. Stimpy. Like, all the, like, the most Mr. 90s over here. Right. And Ponytail. What, <laughs> and what was funny is Todd was like 27, but he seemed... 47 yeah. trying to act young but he was young that's the weirdest thing I, I think it's he's like too boisterous about the references right and his pants were very boisterous too usually the, the very is, yellow khakis the thing is i hate to admit it but that was like the style wasn't it because he he worked in new york city so he had to be spiffy and like on on his game or whatever back then well you'd have to look good on the radio yeah, but I mean, like, you go into work when you work in the city. Yeah, you gotta look trim the, and proper. Yeah, you gotta look right, right? So I, I'm assuming what Todd was wearing was what people in the city were wearing. Possibly. That's yeah. a good point. Actually, if you check out that 1993 footage of uh, New York in HD, you probably yeah. see a lot of that. Isn't that check a weird out on thing YouTube. that that exists? <laughs> yeah, it like, is. That somebody, it's like, we're testing high definition, like, in 93, what? It's pretty cool. Uh, so back to the Toddster, right? Yes, he was hokey. Yes, he was campy and goofy. But here's some things, some legitimate points in his favor. For a guy that had never worked in the wrestling business prior to 1993, he got it, and he understood the product, and he knew how to put it over. He put it over hard, and he sold everything as very important. He never acted as if he was above the product or or that it was beneath him, much like Sean Mooney. He was very into what he was doing. I'll say this about him. He knew... He was just like, he felt like he was part of the, the thing, right? The family, it, essentially, of, right? Some of these guys, they come in, you know, especially from something else, and you know, like Mike Adamway, just for example. Right. I yes. know that's like very notorious. His name is Jeff Harvey. Hardy. I think the problem with him was what you're saying was the good part about Todd. Is it's, it didn't seem like he knew what the flow of anything was or didn't understand how it all worked and i i don't know what it is about todd he just like picked it up right Right away he picked it up right away it was like okay we got to advertise this fucking pay-per-view yep you got to be um all in awe of the characters you know it's like the mighty yokozuna i remember he always said the mighty yokozuna for some reason like (laughs) you know he'd act like the fucking undertaker was actually a magical wizard you know know what (laughs) i mean like he wouldn't he wouldn't like act like oh snide yeah it was like oh that undertaker what a weirdo you know and you know let's be honest here there were a lot of people that were hired before and after him that tried to fill similar roles either simultaneously or you know before after that didn't cut it i'm talking remember joe fowler don't stop but the Mm -hmm. point is is that not anyone can just slide into this and be good at it even like you said mike adamley is another one charlie min yeah. People like that. Well, Charlie Min, I always felt was like Todd being like, here's I don't my know friend what. Charlie. Because they, they, <laughs> they, they, dress, the they same. dress the same, so I just figured they were friends. Right. I don't know why. Was what, Let me ask you a question. Was Todd more convincing and more annoyed than Craig DeGeorge? Yes. No disrespect to Craig, seriously, but like he was oh, much better. Yeah. Matilda. Matilda is here. I just want to ask you about Matilda. He was much better than Craig, right? And he yeah. seemed to understand the business more than Craig. It's debatable, even with Mooney. Honestly, I mean, Mooney was great backstage. He sucked on play-by-play. Todd, very similar, See, was very bad you know on announcing. Thing, you know what the thing about Mooney is? It's like, he's not great, but he really is Todd before Todd. He was. I he, totally agree. He understood it. It's just like, totally I don't agree. know. There's something about this boy character. You, right. You know, I think yes. we've just described this before, where, like, they're just, like, this young, you know, dark, slick hair, yeah. like, and then you're like, what is this guy from? Yep. It, like, there's something about that character that you have to be sort of play dumb and stupid. Yes. And Mooney did it really well. Yeah. And I think Todd did it really well in his own way. Another thing that I don't think Todd gets enough credit for, because there's really no reason to think about this, 
is he was great live. I mean, because he was he did a live radio show, a horrible radio show, but he did a live <laughs> radio show that was number one in New York. That's for, true. For some godforsaken reason. Yeah, so he was a professional when they were like on pay per view or right, something. You right know? on the money. This yeah. guy could do live. He didn't need a script. Right. He didn't need to prepare. My name is Widgie Rattlebones from the Animal Control and Consumption Office. It's always like Owen Hart. Owen Hart, come over here. Uh, yeah. Wh- why did you do that, Owen Hart? Like you know, <laughs> right. like always say his name and like, but it was like on the fly and it wasn't. He didn't like fuck it up or anything. never. Right? Yeah. He never. He was. He was an actual professional. He was a true pro. It's like wasn't he there when they were giving away the the SummerSlam millions or something? I feel like he was there for that. Yes, he was. That yeah. was one of his last major appearances. Right. In 97. But I just remember him seeming like a natural game show host. He just is. Right. Yeah. Now you know you want to make fun of him doing the singing at the Slammies and all that stuff. Be my guest. You want to make fun of him and Doc as a, a aggravating team. <laughs> that I, to me, that's the that's stain fine. on his 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 time there. It's so bad. In your house, in your house, in your house. It was incredible. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather have Todd Pettengill and Doc, Doc Hendricks hosting us through this parade of crap that was 1995 yeah that's the thing they were enthusiastic about it that's it yeah i was just gonna say that's the thing it's like todd didn't make it seem like it was shitty right for some reason like as a kid i was like well you know todd thinks it's important so right. maybe maybe i'll keep watching you know he sold the shit out of everything one and another great aspect there's another quality i wanted to mention his voiceovers for the video packages were phenomenal no matter mm-hmm. what anyone says because he put on his real radio voice you know the Tonight, the WWF, that whole thing that he would do, right? They say your ego is your enemy. What happened to you? There's only one solution. To awaken from this nightmare, you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes a Bret the Hitman heart? When things were starting to become pre-attitude era, I mean, they were getting really attitude-y. He would do the voiceovers for, like, the pay-per-views, like, the pre, yeah. the pre-intro and stuff like that. So, like, WrestleMania 13 or whatever it was that was going on around the time. He was just terrific at it. He really made it sound important. You know, one thing I think Todd was really good at, he was perfect for that transition time. Because yes. there was something about him where he was, like, he was so new generation. Like, he was, oh, yeah. like, he was like, and to see everything go up in flames around him... <laughs> Like him do his same Todd banter, but about, I don't know, like Steve Austin. Yes, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin right. coming. It's like it being like, this guy's disgusting. Yeah, like, the what gun is he incident. doing? Yeah, what is he doing? You right. know, like, what is going on around here? Remember that whole, there yeah. was a blast off or something we watched where he's like, I don't know what's going on around here. Yeah. Not like Kevin Kelly, like, yeah. oh, lady. No, but. Todd <laughs> is like, Todd's like concerned, yeah. right? Like, he's like, it's like, I'm used to fucking Mabel and shit. Right. Like, what is this? I'm like, used to Will and Mercy yeah. and Comma and, and stuff. The and like now all we got this stuff. Now we got men with guns. Yeah, what is this? <laughs> right. But it was like he was one of those that you started to get this like picture in your brain. It's like, man, some real some bullshit's going down here, right? It's not like it's not business as usual. Right. The Toddster's concerned. If Todd is concerned. The guy that's usually so happy and enthusiastic about right. everything going on. I, you never hear a negative thing out of his body. <laughs> right? and then, like all of a sudden, it's like Stone Cold's like got a gun, and yeah. you know, it's all oh no, it's right. all scary. So, of course, folks, he's not Mean Gene, but we know that literally nobody ever compared to Mean Gene. No. But I'd say he's up there with Mooney in terms of doing the, the interviews and then doing promos and stuff like that. He may be better in certain aspects than Sean Mooney at some things. And honestly, as much as I like Kevin Kelly as a as an overall personality, 
Who's a more appealing Kevin Kelly? Oh, I don't know what's going on here, Jim Ross. I don't, I don't like Kevin Kelly in the WF. I don't I either. Like, I like him outside right. the WF. Right. But in the WF, he is the worst. He's so annoying, right? So <laughs> He's I, like, man, gorilla. Like, I'm good. Like, it's, President Monsoon. <laughs> you know, I watch tapes in my basement. It's it's like, like, he's I'm, like, they're Mike today. Like, yeah, like, Kevin Kelly is very talented. Very yeah. good performer. But he just, whatever his character is supposed to be, Like, I, I swear his character is wrestling nerd. Yeah, like, he's there today. I'm telling yeah, you, very, you're right. He is very today. <laughs> he's there today, but I think Todd just might get a little bit overlooked sometimes when it comes to how good he was at just being enthusiastic for the company. And he was there for over four years, almost five. I gotta say, they obviously, I liked gotta him. say one other thing that I always think about with Todd, and it's that he's great if you were a kid growing up. Like to be fair to him, because. He never made it feel intimidating when I watched, like, I needed to know all this backstory right. to watch WF. Because a lot of times, like, especially back in that time, I remember Vince and a lot of the guys that had been there for a while being like, oh, he did that at something, something 94. And you'd just be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's like 96. Right, You're right. Like, I didn't get to, I didn't watch that live, so I don't fucking know what he's talking about. Right. Like, why is he calling Owen Hart a king? You know, <laughs> like... That's all I'm saying is like the Todd, Rocket King. But for some reason, Todd had this way of making it all seem less intimidating with his like very welcoming, very accessible tone. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I loved Mania. I'm not going to lie. I didn't find him funny necessarily. No. I didn't, even as like a 10 year old. But he was very easy to watch. Mania for me, I loved it. I almost never missed Mania in really? 1995. Yeah, I, I, I never loved knew you were it. such a Mania fan. Well, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. It didn't have much original content. No, did it? no. Yeah. It did, by '95, it didn't it have any a bunch at all. Of raw stuff. But it was a great way to get caught up on what was going on, and he would present it with Stephanie Wyand, who herself may be a little underrated too. Quinn. Well, okay, we were saying this before the show, but Stephanie Wyand, there's top knot with the suspenders, like <laughs> blossom. Yeah, Stephanie early Wine, Stephanie, which she's good. Steffi Wyand. Steffi Wyand, <laughs> and then there's like. Mom, who's going to drive the van full of kids version with the bad hair. Uh, Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire. And then that one's like very unhip. And I don't (laughs) know why they changed her on screen look. Yeah, in general. It hurt her character. It did, it because did. all of a sudden she couldn't be, like, cool. I like, know. She, she was female she Todd. She was spunky. She was fun. <laughs> yeah, she was female Todd at the beginning, and that was, like, what was so fun about it, right? It was, like, her and Todd kind of, like, goofing off in the Mania studio, right. like, and that was, like, actually entertaining. We yeah. kick off 1995. We sure do, and we get to do it together, Todd. Together. Forever. Wherever. We go. Through thick or through thin. All out or all in. Yeah, anyway, it's yeah. going to be a huge weekend. <laughs> I guess to sum it up with Todd, if you look at the time he was there, especially 94, 95, 96, when he was really prevalent, Lord Alfred Hayes had been gone. Sean Mooney had been gone. You had serious JR. Like, JR was like, hi, folks, I'm J- Jim Ross here. Yeah, some, we're live, pal. He played basketball <laughs> yeah. in the uh, University of Wisconsin. And you need serious JR, right? Yeah. You had over the top fucking Billy Mays, uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah. You had, One, two, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So close. <laughs> you had King, who was yeah. King. <laughs> yeah, you had Doc heel announcer version, Ugh. and then like goofy, out of touch fat guy. What was know. he? Okay, I, I've always wondered: is he like supposed to be an '80s guy that's been like transported into the <laughs> '90s know. and he doesn't get things and he thinks he's cool, but he's not? Well, I don't know, Quinn. I really don't get it. And amidst all of this, though, you had the anchor in a lot of ways was Todd Pettengill, the constant. I, I hate to say it, but like in in certain aspects. Wasn't really a play-by-play guy. But to hold things down, you know, you could be guaranteed to see him in the beginning of a Coliseum video. Kind of like the host. 
Yes, yeah, and he was it. good at it. Yeah, it's, that's that's all. my like, point. Yeah, he's he's okay. He's he just... was good at what he did. His humor is definitely not for everyone. But I don't know, I don't know who it's for. Really, the, the biggest problem with Todd's humor t- to this day is a lot of it's all dated references. That it's... like, if you were showing your kids this in like in the nineties. Todd was hip and cool, and you allegedly. were allegedly, like, yeah, allegedly. But at the same time, it's like you felt as like a 10, 12 year old or whatever. Like you're like, well, this guy. Seems, you felt he was in he, on it. He, with he you. seems on the up and up, right, right? right? But when you watch back, it's just all cringe, and you're like, oh god, why is he talking about that? Right. Whereas like a Bobby Heenan's humor is much more timeless because it's yeah. like insult comedy. Bobby you know? has a couple of data yeah, references, some. but uh, of course, for the most part, Bobby's a little better in that department. Uh, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, overall, I, I just wanted to give a shout to Todd. My new perspective of him the last few years, my fresh perspective, is that he was very talented and very good at what he was supposed to be doing. Again, humor notwithstanding, I I don't find him funny almost ever. Yeah, my name is Wendell Clump. <laughs> In all seriousness, every now it's and then. It's welcoming. I don't know any yeah. other way to say it. It's not like funny. It's not doc where you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's welcoming, and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll watch this, right? You know? And that's uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to shout out the Toddster there. So, folks, let us know your perspective on Todd Pettengill. Do you like him? Do you not like him? Have you changed your mind on him one way or another over the years? You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can shoot us an email at ovppodcast at gmail.com or join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, we have two of the best tag teams on the board right now. Two more are coming out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of WWF Tag Team Champions. And that's coming up right after this. I gotta tell you folks, the new WWF generation is in full swing. The WWF Action Zone premieres in just one week. Next Sunday, October 23rd, 12 noon, 11 central. And when I say action, that's exactly what I mean. You're not going to hear any lame ex-coaches pontificating about nickel D or scouting reports of high school prospects. Believe me, if I never hear another word from Joe Gibbs, it'll be too soon. This guy's like the teacher from the Wonder Years, remember? Please pay attention to what I'm about to say. Actually, never mind. Or or how about Jimmy Johnson? Jimmy, you won two Super Bowls. You still got a Three Stooges haircut. None of that mess on the WWF Action Zone, folks. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode number 173. It is April the 20th, 2020. Michael, we mentioned we do have a Patreon. Uh, We do. You've been to it? I've been to that website. It's pretty good, actually. It's easy to use. We didn't even construct it at all. No, we just kind of professional. We just kind of moved into it, folks. And if you want to move on into the extra OVP content, you can do that. At patreon.com slash OVP podcast, real quick rundown here of what you're going to get. And the reason we do this, by the way, we're not expecting to get rich off of this stuff. We really just want to give back to the people that want to support us for doing the free weekly show that we've been doing since 2016. Now, if you want to support us, you're going to get a lot of stuff in return. The highest tier that we offer, Quinn, is $5. $5, that's it. That's the highest. Cup of coffee for the entire month. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. If you can spare that, you're going to get all the extra stuff. I'll tell you what that is. 
As we mentioned, the pay-per-view reviews, those come out every single month right now. Out now is Survivor Series 89 for April, so we're kicking off the 90s in May for Royal Rumble 90. We're doing every single one in order, so you get those. And those are two and a half, three, three and a half, four-hour shows, Quinn. Mm-hmm. They're long. They're they, detailed. They'll last you a while. They will. Yeah, they'll keep you moving. They'll they'll give you something to listen to throughout your week, maybe throughout your month, depending on how you listen to them. And you get your own private RSS feed that you can plug into your favorite podcatcher. Yeah, with that, set it and forget it. Really, <laughs> it's more the Ron Popeil of yeah. podcasters here. So that's on the five dollar tier, but you also get on the three dollar tier the bi weekly nineteen eighty three live reviews. We talked about uh, the pre Hulkamania era last week. Pre Hulka, Quinn, <laughs> Quinn's new affinity for the pre Hulka era, and you get to see as we develop that affinity because every other Friday we release a show, video and audio format, where Quinn and I are watching Championship Wrestling in order. We're in May of eighty three right now. Wow, it's fun. It, it's incredible, and it really has built up an appreciation. And I think that people who want that said appreciation, it's a good. Show show for them to watch it is it's very casual very laid back as quinn and i sitting here watching them along with you guys uh, kind of like hanging out hang, hanging out with joe and quinn basically and again it's video or audio form that comes out in both mediums yeah two mediums double the medium double the medium and then on the two dollar tier if you just want to kick us a couple of bucks you're going to get the raw video that is the making of every single monday episode including the one you're listening to right now you get to see the shirts we're wearing doc's chin picture behind mm-hmm. quinn over there all that good stuff and it also includes a back archive of our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras. We have about a dozen of those. And over 30 of our OVP commentaries where we do a specific match on the WWE Network and you can listen along with us. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you have a few bucks to spare, I encourage you to at least check it out for a month. If you don't want to renew, if you don't want to do it again for another month, then don't. That's okay. People do that sometimes. Either way, it's fine with us. We're just thankful that you guys are here. It's a good time. Join the Patreon. Join it. You'll have some fun. Give it a shot. Yeah. So, Michael... Mm-hmm. We are doing the Royal Rankings of Tag Teams this week. It's the Royal one. It's the Royal one, the best of the best. Now, we might have some new listeners. Let's explain what this is, okay? We don't want to confuse anybody. No, no confusion. I know it can be confusing because science is involved. Science so. is very involved. So what we do, folks, is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans over on our Facebook group, to give us a list of your top 10 and your bottom 10 of something. For this season, it is WWF Tag Team Champions. What happens is... Joe Merkel, friend of the show, our chief statistician, statistical analyst. He knows how to uh, compile things, and he's got he's got a big computer somewhere, mainframe, mainframe (laughs) computer. He really got to run those jobs. Yes, it takes days to (laughs) compile all these these numbers. So thank you, Joe Merkel, for compiling that. Basically, what we have is we'll have a tank for the best and a tank for the worst. Each week, we draw out two names at random. By the end of the season, you will have the definitive scientifically ranked and researched (laughs) organic non-gmo usda certified organic healthy grass-fed ordained best and worst wwf tag team champions of all time quince that's that's, those are all things that describe these tag team champions well amazing we do our best to do this from a scientific point of view you know we have our lab coat and our goggles and our beakers yes beakers we have tons of beakers you should see it got microscopes yes we do it's amazing microscopes everything Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff over here Right now, we only have two names on the board, so I'll run them down real quick. Number one is the Hart Foundation. Yes. You know, I thought we were a good tag team. And number two is the Brain Busters, which I get why I they made it, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, I don't, because their reign was so short. I feel like we have two that could, one of them could end up at one, and one of them could end up at ten. I think the Busters may very well wind up at ten, but who knows, Quinn? We have to now go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal 
seatbelts, and that means we're number one. What about the strike force? We're going to strike with them with, with lightning force. And it's time for you to pay Money Incorporated. So, for the benefit of those with flash photography, what we have here are two hearts beating as one. <laughs> when we get done with you, you'll be sour and gory. The WWF Tag Team Champions Week Number Two, Michael. It's going to get hotter and heavier as the weeks go on here. It gets so heavy <laughs> when we have so many tag teams. It's hard to pick up. You know how tag teams? I mean, just one of them weighs a bunch of pounds. It's there. true. There's yeah. a lot of pounds here, folks. Stone. Yeah, there could be stone. We'll have to see. We might have some British teams. We don't yeah. know. Uh, but folks, as we mentioned, we have the Hart Foundation and the Busters on the board here. Quinn and I are looking to find, you know, what qualities make the best tag team of all time. You know, it could be length of reigns, maybe amount of reigns. We'll have to see. Defenses, notability, personality. personality. It's all these factors combined. And we have to find out because I'm excited. I don't know about you. I don't know about you fans at home, but I'm excited to find out who drew number three. So should we go down to the fans and have them count us down? Um, go tell the fans. It's all right, time. Fans. Get, get up. Hey, fans. Hey, it's time. <laughs> Let's get the tables. It's a double boys. The doodly boys. The doodlies. They're so cool. <laughs> so, t- so much tie dye. A lot of tie. A lot of dye. All right, the doodly boys, folks, obviously are a no- very notable tag team. They made it here rather handily. Well, I mean, they're like the WWF's like Ric Flair tag team. Like, <laughs> oh, they got him a bazillion times. Yeah, they they're do. so good. Now, the Dudleys obviously were born and birthed in uh, the ECW. The ECW. I thought, I thought it was Dudleyville, but... Well, good point, actually, yeah. yes. And the Dudleys, we don't need to go in their entire backstory, but the Dudleys were an entire family, obviously, right. in they ECW. Right, like, a faction. The Dudleys. Uh, yeah. Dudley Dudley was their yeah. patriarch. Yeah, the original Dudley. <laughs> yep. And, of course, there was uh, Bubba Ray, the stuttering one. Yeah. There was Devon. Dances uh, with Dudley. There was Dances that's, with that's Dudley. That's my favorite Dudley. There was Sign Guy Dudley. Uh-huh. There was Big Dick Dudley. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget him. There was Snot Dudley. And there was Spike Dudley. And there's probably another one or two that I'm missing offhand. But. Yeah, there, there was a lot. I think I once, by accident, saw the first, like, Dudleys. And by it was accident. Like, meaning I was just watching some random episode of EC Dub from, right. like, 95, like, yes. before the Dudley, like, it's early 95. Ray and Devon, and it's, like, just Dudley Dudleys there, <laughs> it's and real. somebody else, like, Snot. <laughs> yeah, it's I like, think so. Yeah, it's, like, those two. <laughs> snot. It's, like, who, they just are big fucking losers. You're, <laughs> yeah. like, who are these guys? <laughs> Obviously, Bubba Ray and Devon were the ones that really became the breakout stars and the truly talented ones. And in ECW, they were mega heels to the point of re- really pissing off crowds. Oh, yeah, there was people that would, like, try to jump the guardrail and, like, beat up Bubba. Come on, you fat, bald motherfucker! They went out there and pissed everyone off. Everyone off. And they would wear the tie-dye and the glasses and everything. And They like, and kept the like our origin story going. They did, right. And I always liked that they kept this stupid, like, it was basically an in-joke at ECW. Yeah. Like, it was like a stupid gimmick that they just threw on a bunch of people. And they, I think they adapted it from um, from Slapshot, the hockey movie. Yeah, Isn't I, that th- true? that's where the glasses at least All came from. Stuff, I don't yeah. know. There's probably, like, to me, it. this is a very Paul 
angle. Oh, it's very it, Paul. It's very Paul. Like, yes. All like these in jokes and like this humor that yeah. he has in, yeah. in movies he saw. Like all <laughs> like this glob of just this weird family that maybe inbred or something. I'm surprised he didn't have a gimmick based on Porky's or something yeah. like that. You know, that yeah. time period. Very Paul Heyman. This, <laughs> very this Paul whole Heyman. this whole family here. Very Paul Newman. Yeah. Uh, so. The Dudleys make their way to the WWF in, I believe, August or September of 1999, and they briefly kept the tie-dye and the stuttering gimmick and all that. There was even a phase where I swear, like, J.R. and King every week would, like, explain what the fuck is this. Yeah. Like, why are they look, why do they look like this? Essentially. Why are they brothers, but they're, you know... <laughs> well, they're half-brothers. Yeah. They, they had to explain it, They though. did, early. And then they kind of morphed into a little bit more serious... Bubba dropped the stuttering gimmick. That was good. It was. They've, After the whole May Young stuff, it was yeah, like, enough of this. Enough. And they started to wear camo instead of tie-dye. That became their WWF attire was camo. I didn't even notice that. It just kind of naturally yeah, it just flowed. Fl- I yeah. didn't notice it either until yeah. I looked back. So they win their first, and I love their first reign. We have to skip. They are, by the way, the most reigns for any team. Eight reigns, the Dudleys. The most of, in WF? Yes. Period? Okay. Yes. They win their first one. We'll just go through them real quick. And I loved this as a kid from the annoying version of the New Age Outlaws that were like still around in February of 2000. <laughs> They're just like enough with them already. To me, that, that signaled though, that was like when the Dudleys came in and the Hardys and the Edge and Christian and they were all big. When yep. they demolished the New Age Outlaws, that was kind of like the, the passing dawning. of the torch, right? Yep. It was like the New Age Outlaws kind of. Both of them were also in this weird phase where, like, you could tell they wanted to go their separate ways yes. and, like, do other things. Their time was done. Yeah, and they were just like, why are we doing this? Like, right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's how I felt about it. It wasn't like the New Age Outlaws were bad. It was just right. like both of them were kind of, like, ready to do other shit. It was a new time, yeah. exactly. And there's a 3D! They got him! A deadly death drop! Wait a minute! Oh, this, this is gonna be... Oh, we've got new tag team champions! The damn Dudleys are the new tag champions! So the Dudleys win them there at No Way Out, February 2000, and they kind of famously drop them in the triangle ladder match at WrestleMania 2000. Edge and Christian win that one. So that's the end of the first reign. They actually, believe it or not, don't win the tag titles again for almost a year. It's January of 2001 at the Royal Rumble. That's when it's they win weird. them again. When did they? It always felt like they were tag team champions. I know. So that's an odd thing. But uh, in all honesty, they must have accumulated them very quickly. Yep. Because I remember by like 04, they were like already like 18 <laughs> oh, time, best time, best best tag team ever. Brazilian time <laughs> tag champ. So they win it from Edge and Christian, actually, at Royal Rumble 2001. They lose them to the Hardys on Raw in March of 2001, March 5th. They win them back on Raw two weeks later from Edge and Christian, who had won them back. Well, they didn't even win them. They, like, claim the titles yeah. or something. It's a whole convoluted thing. Then they lose them again on April 1st, WrestleMania, of course, in mm-hmm. the TLC2. Yes. So the Dudleys were tag champs so going in. I think we should talk about that, right? Because I think that's a big part of the Dudley boys' reign here, right? This TLC aspect. They were the defending champions at right. TLC2. So uh, the stage was set, basically, is that the Dudleys were table masters or something. They were good at tables. Well, right, because Bubba always remembered, like, midway through the match that Devon needed to get them. Right, there was that. But there was also, I think, part of it was... um the Bubba Bomb power bomb thingy it, from like the top that he did to May Young. It made and him other a little people. orgasmic or something like yeah. that when he did that to people. It make him it make him go like it make him feel sensations or yeah, something. Yeah. So the he, tremors. Th- this became like the Dudley's um, MO was putting people through the table. Sexual table assault. Yeah. It's a thing. 
but they would also they were, they were also just vicious about it in they general. Were dicks. Like, but there were yeah. faces too. Yeah, sometimes they light them on fire. Like, <laughs> they did things with tables, they, man. It was just it was very innovative. With <laughs> you know, didn't you always find that stupid? They'd be like, they're innovative about using tables, and you're just be like, what? Like they're just like putting people through the table. Like it's not that amazing. <laughs> they should have just set up and ate dinner there one time. That would have been creative. It was like they literally stacked a table once, and Jr. thought it. They like invented some new wrestling offense or something. Like that's like how. Oh my God! They put a table on top of another table. It's like what? What are I think of next? Like, because remember it backfires on him at the TLC where like Bubba like goes through like the 16 yes. table yes. like fucking pile up thing that's what you get for trying to be creative yeah Thomas Edison over there but anyway yeah so they were the defending champions going into TLC too where the uh, the chairmen obviously were Edge and Christian right and the ladder men or whatever were the Hardys because Jeff was good at jumping off things and, and never hitting it yeah always missing <laughs> hurting his ass it's weird how I think of JR a lot during this whole run he's you know very yeah. involved in that era, Quinn. What can I say? Dudley's winning back. Uh, a bunch of changes happen here, but in June, they win him from Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. Remember yeah. that? Briefly, that was weird. That team was allegedly good. Yes. Like, I remember people they were good. singing the praises of that team. No, but they were a good team. Then the Dudleys lose him a couple weeks later to the APA. Why the hell not? They well, w- like, the APA was like, to me, they were like the lingering tag team of this time period. Like, they're always like, oh, by the way, APA might just like win the belts on Raw randomly. <laughs> they, they, yeah, between it's like, they're like, like done drinking you know what i mean like that that's like it's like they're kind of like the undertaker of the division yeah. it's like you don't like just don't fuck with them like it's yeah. like they'll come in and they'll kick your ass between 99 and like 02 there's always the threat that maybe apa could come in and win the tag titles you have to be careful Not maybe they just do <laughs> they, sometimes, they do sometimes yeah. yeah they're just they're kind of like this weird like they're distracted most of the time but like they, they could just win them whenever they feel like it like <laughs> that's, that's really funny. how it how they were portrayed true dudley's win them again from undertaker and kane in september September of 2001, September the 17th. The Dudleys beat them. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> and then they lose them to Chris Jericho and The Rock in October of okay. one. Yeah. So this is another thing that developed during this time period where the Dudleys were mainstays is these, uh, you know, show Miz and yes, like shit like show Miz. I, Don't bring that I up, always please. think of when I think of just stupid combinations of people. Never say that again. Like Triple H and Stone Cold tag team. The two man power trip. Yeah. Remember that? This is terrible. Fucking stupid. Anyway, the Dudleys wind up winning them again from the Hardys who had regained them. This was at the Survivor Series November 2001. As you can see, there's a lot of meaningless stuff going on here. Right. Now, they actually don't win them again, believe it or not, until January of 2003 at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. They defeat that stellar team of William Regal and Lance Storm. Remember them? Who had held no. the titles for 13 days. <laughs> why is- even do that? I still don't understand why. I'm because sorry, but they're, they're, why? See, this is the thing about the Dudleys. On one hand... It's impressive, right, that they have all these reigns. Like, from, like, if you look at it at the end, you're like, wow, they were tag champs a lot. They must have been right. really good, right? And then you, at the end of the day, you realize, wait a sec, there's guys who are champs for, like, 13 days. Right. Like, just nothing, like, and there's, like, weird, like, thrown-together teams, like, Big Show and somebody. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Big like, Show and anybody. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, like, it's just, I like the Dudleys I as like a team. Too. I like the concept of them, this, like, violent but kind of psychotic like and they're a little yeah. weird. Like one guy thinks he's a preacher, and the other guy—I don't even know Table. what Bubba is. No one knows what Bubba yeah. is. No, they're very charismatic, and they had one more reign. Oh, oh by did. the way, I, I need to mention here that uh, after winning them at the Royal Rumble, they lost him the next night on Raw to William Regal and Lance Storm oh, that again. Was, that's great. Why do they do the? It just I want to know why. Like, what does the title even matter at this point when it's just flipping around all the time? Something so that you could pop a crowd on Raw. 
But what? Like, but I'm how serious, does that make like, you money? No, no, no. You know what I mean? What does that they're do? Thinking, they're thinking because okay, I can see the one aspect of it when you're trying to like make a compelling TV show. You pop a rating when any title change hands because all of a sudden people just people are watching and they're like, oh wow, the tag title. Like any if any t- even on WCW, I remember this is like if the TV title there was a good TV title match and maybe the title was in jeopardy, I would like stick on that instead. Listen, that, I do, that's what I, that's all I'm saying. I get what you're saying, but this is 2003 when both you and I had stopped watching because right. it was so shitty. But I'm just t- saying that that was <laughs> that was the thinking. Back I get that, it. That it was like, oh, it's exciting if the titles change yeah. hands. So it's like we take the least important title, right? And we have that change <laughs> hands a bunch so that people, when they watch this show, they think, oh, wow, titles can actually like change on this show. That's just the concept. I'm not saying it's good. It's not. I'm just saying You're that, right. that that's, that's the emotion <laughs> it elicits. Okay, well, they elicit one more reign. They defeat La Resistance. Remember them? Wait, yes, is I it do. the first one? Yes, it's uh, Rene Dupre and Savan Grenier. Not the other guy. Not Rob Conway. Don't yeah. be, or <laughs> Rob, <laughs> what was it? Robert Conway. Yeah. No, not that. That was September of 2003 at Unforgiven, and then they finally lose them for the last time. To Evolutions, Batista and Ric Flair, December of 03 at oh, Armageddon. That, that was like the end of an era for like the Dudleys. I remember that. Like, that is the end of an era, yeah. Because that Evolution team held the bells forever. Like oh, the yeah. Batista-Ric Flair In combo. In 04? Oh, yeah. hell yeah. So that was it for the Dudleys reign-wise. We talked about them as a team a little bit. We'll talk for another minute here as tag team champions. My most memorable things that they did as a tag team as a whole, whether the titles were involved or not, is the year 2000. Yeah, that, that was, was their that was, breakout that, year. That was their time, um, and they really made a mark on the scene, and like really, they lit it up. I thought that the Dudley's time in the tag division was actually a good thing, because the tag division was kind of like dying. It, they gave it a boost, because with the Outlaws not teaming anymore, mm-hmm. with the APA kind of just like, literally, like you said, just dicking around most of the time, not doing anything too serious, except right. when they were needed, the addition of the Dudley's as these bigger brawly guys to the high flying Hardys and the high flying, the best of the technical and the high flying with Edge and Christian. Yeah. Uh, it was a really great mix. And that was one of the, th- that I don't think is overrated ever. No. Those three teams really did have some great chemistry. They were young, they were fresh. It was the first time the tag division had been good since, I want to say, like 90. The, the Heart Foundation. <laughs> that group mid 80s into the early 90s yeah like i always say up to 91 because once the nasty boys won it that's when the whole division like took a shit and we talked about money inc last week yeah. and they had their stronghold on the division exactly for a couple but of like years. i think the nasty boys are the beginning of the shit era because the hearts losing it after you know beating demolition and, an and you know brain busters and all these other teams like that was like good and then it paused until like 98 <laughs> Yeah, uh, give yeah. It, yes, around the, the outlaws kind of lit it up a, a little bit, but they still they didn't have opponents. Not that, really. That was the problem. That was like the they thing. came in and they took this dumpster fire of a division and kind of like literally a dumpster fire. Sometimes, yeah, and they just beat the shit out of everyone. Correct. That's like why they liked them. The Dudleys, on the other hand, their time was really like oh, everything came to fruition. Yeah, now. Like, right. Like this this tag division now has multiple teams that are good. Absolutely, Quinn. And uh, I was very much into it at the time. We'll have to see where they rank, folks, but that's the Dudleys. I think it's now time to find out who drew number four. Are you ready, Quinn? Yes. All right, fans, let's hear it. (laughs) 
Quinn, here come the axe. Oh. Here come the smashers with them. Wow. It's, it's the demolition, the now, walking disaster. This team. Oh, my goodness, I folks. love them so much. The demolition. Way better than LOD. Okay, well. <laughs> Way better than LOD. Brief background on the demos. This is a pretty simple one. Most people know the story here. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon essentially wanted something uh, that evoked the Road Warriors, who were probably the most popular, dominant team in the NWA, and previously the AWA. In Notably the, popular in for doing nothing but beating Squ- jobbers. Squash, Squash City, obviously, yeah. and very imposing, very different for their time. They were the yeah, Road Warriors. To not be gonna, fair. Not going to take that away from them. And the way Vince did it was pretty creative, I guess. He had taken the masked superstar, Bill Eady, who was also a super machine. <laughs> Right. Before, before he ate yeah. shellfish. Right. Before he ate shellfish. Veteran of the industry, so a good guy to anchor yeah. a tag team. But he teamed him with Randy Colley, who was a Moondog Rex. What? And for a couple of appearances, and the fans immediately... Either I don't know if that's true, but people allegedly people recognize that it was Rex. That's that's what I always have heard. Is that's why that was jettisoned before... Even most right. people even know that right. it changed. And that was January, I think, February. What did that last like a month or something? A couple of a not even. Yeah, not they, even. They were just like, nope, we're hitting the reset button here. Oh, wait a minute. This is the first time we've seen this demolition. And look at Balomo and Man Mancini haven't done a thing. My personal theory is whether the fans recognize it or not, I think the WWF recognized that Rex wasn't the fit, wasn't the guy. No. That's what I think. I, I'm just already been in a successful tag team. The Moon Dogs, yeah. yes. Then they were. To be fair, they were a successful tag team. So they replaced him with the NWA's Crusher Khrushchev, Barry Darso, who, who was nobody a, in WF had seen. Perfect, yes. Yeah. So they bring him in, and he's a big guy at this point. When they he's brought a, him in, he was built. He's also a guy that, even if you look back to WF, he has a way of speaking. That sounds very like I don't know, like it's, I'm gonna per- get it's perfect. Yeah, it's like perfect for this like side character with Axe, right? It, it is. Though. They kind of like balance each other out. Axe was very serious. Axe was serious, but Smash was like intense, but also a little too a, jolly, a, a little goofy. Yeah, and over the years he got goofier and goofier, making faces like, oh, yeah, you know, like, but he for worked, no reason. But he works as like Axe is kind of like I always look at them as like Axe is his dad or something. Yeah, like, you know like, what I mean? It's like, like he's yeah. under control, Smash. Yeah. Like you know, yeah, exactly. Kermit, so, more, he's more like Kermit under control, Smash. Kermit under control, Smash. Yeah, he has a very unique I voice. Him up. <laughs> like, that's Smash. I want to smash him in smithereens, can I? A little competition, a little knock on the head. Well, I'm gonna fist right down your throat. So Johnny V is their manager, Keska oh, say. Why did they do this? He's okay, but <laughs> Johnny V is okay, yeah. but not mm-hmm. a fit. Not a fit. No, Quinn. not at all. Because if you wanted to take, uh, you want to take this team serious. Johnny V's fine for the dream team. Well, that makes sense because they're like flamboyant <laughs> yeah, or whatever. It's Brutus like, Beefcake for crying out and loud. It's not even that though. It's like Johnny V's character is like I'm so good or something and right? funny and quirky and right. Yeah, you're talking about my man right here, Mister Smash, and then my main man right over there, that's Mister X. The demolition is like these imposing. They're mysterious because yeah. they have face paint and right. stuff. They don't fit Johnny V no. at all. So in April of 87, Mr. Fuji takes the reins. That's good. Somebody who's actually like mysterious. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect manager for yeah. them. Seriously. Exactly. He doesn't have to say much. No. Nope. Demolition can talk already. It just My makes, demolition makes it just them makes, Yeah. It just makes them seem, de- Demolition as a whole, like, oh yeah, there's something weird about them, right? Yeah. You know? We don't need to get too verbose with our manager here. You know, yeah. we have Fuji now. He's just going to talk about pain and suffering. That's all you need. You make a point suffer. You will tear into the body. You make the bones crackle, crackle one piece at a time. What's weird, and and I like it, is between April of 87 
And throughout 87 into 88, they weren't the tag champions. It's just right. so odd that they... It, it was a long build. So, yeah, there was this slow, like, build-up. It's like, yeah, Demolition is good. Nobody can beat them. And by the time we get to WrestleMania four, where they get a title shot, it's <laughs> like it, it feels like a foregone conclusion, which is weird because Strike Force beat the Heart Foundation. They're not, like, clean slobs. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like... Well, Strike Force is pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Like they they beat the heart. Like why would they have trouble with Demolition? But you go into that match and you're like, there's no way Demolition can lose. They're unbeatable. And they were uh, WrestleMania four, obviously. He says it. Two. Despite what the crowd reaction there is going to tell you, the gambler crowd, the comped crowd, mm-hmm. Strike Force, as I've always said, they were very over. It's just right. there, it didn't work. The long ass show, that's the second to last match. The crowd's Ugh. like, fuck yeah, this demolition team, hell yeah, kick their ass. They, they did not want to see the baby faces no, go over at that point. Hi! Yeah. Like, who are these assholes, <laughs> yeah. basically, is with that crowd. Right. But. Whether or not WrestleMania 4's crowd had anything to do with it, as the months went on, Demolition really started to get a lot more crowd support. They defeated uh, the British Bulldogs at WrestleFest 88. We reviewed that. Mm -hmm. They defeated the Hart Foundation at SummerSlam 88. Mm -hmm. We reviewed that. And then at Survivor Series, the new team, their competitors, their opposition, their mirror match team, the Powers of Pain, who had been uh, Mm -hmm. introduced over the summer as faces... The Barbarian and Warlord decide, you know what, we want Mr. Fuji instead. And Fuji's like, I want to be a pile of pain. They, it's, it's very weird how this all goes down, actually. Because <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like Demolition has problems with Fuji just randomly in, a middle, of nowhere. in, in the middle of this match. <laughs> yeah. And then Powers of Pain like see an opportunity or something when Demolition like it's like, fuck this guy or yeah. whatever. Like Demolition like beats the shit out of Fuji. Right. Because after like Fuji hits them. Yeah, he hits Axe with the cane. Right. And so they beat the shit out of Fuji, and they're like, fuck this, and they, they like leave. leave or something. They're right? eliminated, yep. Yeah, they're eliminated. And then the Powers of Pain are like, we like you now, Mr. <laughs> Fuji, and they like massage him or something. Yeah, and they like, dust him off, didn't, literally. Don't they like hoist him, <laughs> yeah, at the I end. swear. And you know who got the biggest screw in this whole thing was the, the Conquistadors. Conquistador, 100%. Oh, remember that? I'll never forget. They made it so far. I think it's Jose Estrada. When he sees Demolitions counted out, he's like jumping for joy like, in the, we in the ring. We can't believe yeah. it. We won. Yeah. <laughs> I got pay-per-view. <laughs> But anyway, so now Fuji manages the powers of pain, and they feud with Demolition, the tag team champions. And this whole thing, though, sucks. So, so here, okay, I want to say say something about this. Say Isn't, something, Michael. Fuji was good. Fuji the stooge. Because of the, the running on the, the boardwalk well, and all that. Well, I, th- I think you said this recently. If the best thing the powers of pain did is that Fuji ran in a tux, then yeah. you know that there were problems. Exactly, because <laughs> the demolition just kicked their fucking yeah. asses. Like, it, it, like they even let Fuji like help. Yeah, like he's officially in the match. Yes, and the demolition's still just like no, no, no. Like you just get out of here. So they dispatch them, right? But yes. then they like randomly <laughs> out of fucking nowhere on like superstars or Saturday Night's Main Event or something. Saturday Night's Main Event. Like, all of a sudden, the Brain Buster are just like, haha, we win, and yes. they, like, beat Demolition. So, let's, yes. So, Demolition, now faces, right, has had a 478-day reign, which was only rather recently eclipsed by the New Day's reign. Okay. This had been the longest WWF tag team reign. It's well over a year. March of 88 to July of 89. It didn't feel like it for some no. reason. It just kind of breezed by. But that's a stronghold yeah. on the tag titles, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for that time. People were just used to the demolition being the tag team. It just so this made was sense. just odd out, out of nowhere that the brain busters are just. Yep. That's so, it. And Worcester Mass, Mike Crockett, on mm-hmm. July 18th, 89, which was aired on the 29th of July, 89. In a two out of three falls match, the brain busters, with maybe some illegal tactics, they win the tag team titles surprisingly and suddenly from demolition. 
And that ended Demolition's first reign. Now, as we know, the Busters didn't defend against the Hearts at SummerSlam because... Well, they, they didn't sign for that, <laughs> right. but yada, yada, yada. But on October 2nd, Superstars, which was actually aired, I believe, on like November 4th or something. Good lord. A month later, Demolition regains the titles from the Busters. Kind of casually. Very casually. Like, like, you know what? Um, enough of this. If you just watch pay-per-view, if you skip SummerSlam, you wouldn't even know. You would never know this happened. Yes, that it's very minor. You know, it's just like it's oh. very like they want it in Japan, but it doesn't count kind of thing. <laughs> one like, of the Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, like it's like one of those. Yep. It's such a weird. I always feel like Demolition never really lost the tag titles. I know, there. Right? I know just right? letting, like the Brainbusters hold them for a little <laughs> right. bit for like a, a couple of months, and now Bobby Heenan's family gets some revenge though, because on December thirteenth, eighty nine, aired on December thirtieth on Superstars. Andre the Giant Haku, the Colostomy Connection, right. they win clean. What an incredible kick to the jaw! Andre hits it! This could be it! One, two, three! Gotta champions! I can't believe how they dominated Demolition! They just win the tag titles from Demolition. So actually, okay, so there's a reason why this one feels more real to me. Well, and no pun intended, or you know referencing the guy or whatever but this one feels more real because the whole story of this is demolition three pete right yes in that wrestlemania six like it's like demolition can they do it one more time right right so they go to wrestlemania six and what i love about this match is that demolition wins but in the process also like andre the giant breaks up with bobby like yes. demolition like truly wins because the Bra- the bobby the brain heenan family like just fucking implodes they conquered the heenan family like they, they fucking implode in front of their faces because yeah. andre like is like i'm not here anymore fuck you brain like, my cart yeah it's like get it back my cart and like haku's just a loser now yeah, who is so goofy in that yeah the karate pose like yeah. waiting for andre brain is all bent out of shape and, and basically Basically, like demolition for good kind of get rid of the heenan family off their backs and the pop when demolition wins the titles for the third time oh three p awesome yeah it's such a good moment there it is over for the cover it's over new tag team champions and you know what's not good literally right after wrestlemania like yeah. within the month of April, this is. <sighs> they're like, we have another person now. His name's Crush, and yeah. he's also the tag champion with us. And, and by that, the way, and, we like Mr. Fuji <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, well, like, well, that happens a little bit later. Yeah, but first, it's like, all right, we have Crush, and you know what? Fuck it, we're heels now. Yeah, that's like literally, folks. There's no rhyme or reason. Why did they do this? <laughs> because okay, this is where I get so upset because demolition are they're on top of the world. They're the biggest faces in town, right? Yes. And, like, why would you... No. Like, Crush sucks. Why would you do this to the team? And then the music. Don't yes. don't even... Oh, my God. Well, the that music. happens after they're champions, but we have to talk about it. So, they have Crush now in the summer of 90. And the whole thing, they're going to fight the Hart Foundation at SummerSlam 90. The whole thing that always pissed me off and still does is they act like it could be any two members... Mm-hmm. It's always smash and crush. It's like never axe, but they're always surprised. So, so we have to say here is that I don't axe ate shellfish or something. And got mad at Vince, just like Samu or yeah, what ha- whatever happened. <laughs> I don't know something with shellfish, which is a universal for excuse for oh we don't want to pay them. Yeah, like, there's, there's a money dispute. There's, right? there's a money dispute or something. So it's always so that axe generally goes with the with the basher or whoever that is in like Japan, whatever. Blast. Blast. Horrible. The like, basher? He's a big fat guy with, with demolition paint on. Terrible. That's horrible. So now it's Smash and Crush and they're still champions. Yes. And, but Axe 
is still there, but his He's hair there. is weird. <laughs> I don't know. Survivor Series. No, no, no. But like, you at, love talking about his weird hair at SummerSlam. His when hair they is lose, normal when they lose the belt. His hair is yeah. normal at okay. SummerSlam. <laughs> I feel like he, it's not, but anyway. Anyway, as Quinn always likes to say, LOD comes out, they look at Demolition, and yeah. the Heart Foundation wins. So bullshit. And that's it's it for Demolition. It's falls, too. It is. Yep. Demolition soundly defeated. Yep, soundly defeated. And then, of course, they would go on to have the horrible music and reunite with Fuji. And horrible! And lose to Tenaru and Katal at WrestleMania 7. It's all bad. So the story goes. But that's Demolition's reigns. The third one, really weird, because they turned heel in the midst of it. I don't... Like, <laughs> okay, so is it just me? They're going through this. It's never it always, just you, Quinn. It always seems like after they had the first run that was super long, right? Yeah. That, like, for whatever reason, they were trying to, like, get the titles off Demolition. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You know, it's possible Tully and Arm might have had a longer run if they weren't leaving. Right. You know, they took it off of them, I think, because Tully was leaving and Arm was leaving. I right? just always thought it was weird that it was, like, this this most over-successful tag team. It's like, how, how can we fuck them? Like, how can we make them worse? <laughs> well, once Vince signed the LOD in, in 90, that was oh, it for he, Demolition. I like, didn't really want them at all. The writing was on the wall. I, it's, which is another frustrating thing, because yeah, I know. when the demos were still the heel, when they were the heel champions, why didn't they... I know that it was great that the Hart Foundation won him, but it really felt like there should have been a confrontation I with know. LOD before that. Everyone like, knows that. It's like what like why was that not the match of SummerSlam and then maybe know. the Hearts win them at Survivor Series, for example. Well, they didn't do that back then, Quinn. I'm just saying. They didn't they was, teams the of four Series strive to do more. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's Survivor Series ninety. I was thinking it was Survivor Series ninety one at the timing, yeah. But anyway, that's the demos. That's the reigns. Love them as a team. We're gonna have to do it. We're going to have to see where they rank. Is it time? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, as we mentioned, folks, number one is the Heart Farts, and number two is the Busters. The Dudleys, off the bat, I got to say, are, are more notable, better tag team champions than the Busters, no? 100%. They, they have to well, be. Well, WF tag team champions. Well, yes, of course. That's. I mean, if we were counting their NWA reigns, we might have a, a bone to pick. We might have a problem on our hands yeah. here. Uh, and we're only going by WF tag team reigns, meaning, yes, the Busters are an incredible tag team. But as far as their run with the titles, it was very short and mm-hmm. rather unnotable. The Dudleys, on the other hand, eight reigns notwithstanding, because most of those seemed pointless. Yeah. The work they did in 2000, 2001 was very important and gave us some great stuff. So that's the thing when I compare them to the Hearts. The Hearts are another... They're like the Dudleys. They're very similar, actually, because the Hearts, to me, while they were the champions, they were never the the top... I don't know how to put it, like the, the headpiece of the division... Even as the champions, they were always like another team in the mix. You think so? Like, even when they were the champions both times, it was kind of like they were champions because they earned it, right? Right. They were like one of those teams, but they were always kind of like scrapping and clawing either that's, way. That's like, a very Bret Hart. You know, scrapping and clawing my way to the top. Yeah, exactly. It's like, even when Bret's, this is this is one of my gripes with Bret Hart in general, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that his character is a guy that's a fighting champion. Yes. But that it's not, it's never a dominant champion. No, no, that's true. And that's yeah. how I don't look at him. And this will be important when we get to demolition. Right. But um, the, I'm just pointing that out. But the Dudleys, I guess if I'm comparing the two, I don't think the Dudleys are as good as the Heart Foundation, but I also think they're kind of the same thing where they're scrapping and clawing. They're always like losing them, gaining them. They're always like fighting with people and they're not like dominant either. The Dudleys, I think, are a very notable tag team. 
that even if they never had the tag belts or didn't have them eight times, they would still be just as remembered. Oh, yeah. You no know, matter what. The thing is, with the triangle ladder match, TLC 1 and, and TLC 2, I honestly, without looking it up, couldn't tell you who went in with the tag titles. Only who won the matches. Yeah, I don't you know remember what I'm either. I feel, like, I feel like in one of them, the Dudleys were the champions well, going in. Now I know they went into the triangle ladder match at WrestleMania 2000 with the belts and lost them. Yeah. And they went into TLC 2 with the belts and lost them. But the point I was trying to make is that even if they never had the titles in those matches, they were integral to the whole division. Right. As champions, though, I mean, the Hart Foundation, it was a different time, right? So they didn't have pay-per-view defenses. Right. It's true. Not not a single one until WrestleMania 7, right? Uh, Yeah. I think so. It's the only time they defended the belts on pay-per-view. You always have to subtract Survivor Series. There really right. isn't. There's like three pay-per-views. There's not four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, Survivor Series. <laughs> Still, don't get, I, don't I, at least a bone of contention with me. In don't the worry, 80s. Quinn. Royal Rumble next month. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, the Hearts had a, a long run, January of '87 to October of '87, and then they had the, the other run, obviously SummerSlam '90 to WrestleMania seven. But again, they're not dominant. dominant right? They're, they're, they're just like. Oh, these are good wrestlers. Right. They're feuded with the Bulldogs, obviously, still. They're feuded with the Power and Glory on their second run. (sighs) I don't know. I think the Hart Foundation can stay at number one above the Dudleys. I do. I really do. I I think the thing that I want to point out, though, for future rankings is that I feel like the Dudleys and Hearts are very much the same kind of team. Similar, I guess. They're the same kind. They're in the midst. They're they're the same for the eras that they're in. Right, you know that's what I mean. What I, mean. Yeah. I, I didn't say they're the same team. Yeah, I said no, they're I the same kind of team. I get what you're saying. They were never the toppermost of the poppermost, right? What the ass is that expression? Yeah. They were just like, they had the titles, they held the titles, they were fighting champions. Right. But, but they were always, they were always like defending and kind of like they were, okay. it was on their heels, you know? Now, what the hearts are just better because of what? I mean, I, I my gut instinct says they're better, but I scientifically. Think they, they had more classic <laughs> matches, you know? In all honesty, as much as I was joking around how, like, why didn't LOD fight Demolition at SummerSlam, that match at SummerSlam 90 is probably the finest piece of one. work that the Hearts did as tag team champions. No, it's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah sure. Like, that, that, to me, that's just a classic moment when they, like, when they both get the belts draped around their shoulders and they yep. hug. Yep. Like, that's like, it, I remember that picture was in WF Magazine. Yep. And, and it, like, to me, it, like, sums up the Hart Foundation, just this, like, scrapping and clawing like they fucking did it man yeah. like you know they beat demolition you know they hug in the middle of the ring and that's like the that, it, to me it's the end of the heart arc it's i like, agree it's, no it is the, yeah they lost some of the nasty boys or whatever but like that, that just is okay felt, too that just felt like a means to an end though that whole thing right it was just like oh they gotta get fucked somehow like you know fair enough so that they could go their separate ways but like that moment at SummerSlam 90 it embodies them as like this is what they are and great go off into the sunset you know I think so, Quinn. I think that they were good champions in 87 also. Yeah. You know, honestly, again, you're not going to find them on pay-per-view, but on the house show circuit and stuff and on TV, good champions. I mean, they were... Yeah. Okay. They'll stay at number one. They'll stay at number one, but the Dudleys will go over the... Uh, the, the Busters. The busters. For yeah. sure. But now Demolition, Quinn. I mean, Demolition is probably the epitome of dominance, if you want a dominant oh my champion. God. They're, they're fucking awesome. I know. Like, seriously, they're <laughs> fucking awesome. I just love... I know the look is weird, but for whatever reason, it just works in the 80s. Everything that they did worked. It's like they're Mad Max, but they're not. And I don't know how... Yeah, I, know. I, I don't know what makes them not as much as what makes... They're make, just not. Yeah, they, they're just a little... It's their attitude or something. They got a little bit of wacky. They got a little bit of sadistic. Yep. But they also got a lot of, like... They just seem like faces for 
whatever fucking I reason. Know, I don't know what something. it is. There's there's something cool about the them. Music, the music, the face paint. God, the music. It's all good. Everything about them is good. Um, to me, they're like the kings of WWF's tag division in the 80s. Like they, they are the ones. We can immediately put them above the Busters, and we can immediately put them above the Dudleys, I'm going to imagine, right? Yeah. It'll be them and the Hearts. And, I th- and as I always say about their whole run, because yeah. most of the run they were the champions, the majority yes. of the run, the thing that made the, the whole down rate of them so painful was how good they were. Right, it was and a big downfall. The, it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like when they're losing to random like Japanese wrestlers at some at WrestleMania, and you're just like, what in the three f-? minutes in three minutes? You're like, what the fuck? As like Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan's just like m- saying hand towel a million times, like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, well, how f- long have we fallen here? Like, they're in the cool down match after Savage Warrior. It's just poor. That's literally what that is. Yeah. One thing about Demolition is. Let's be upfront. They're not as impressive in the ring as the Heart Foundation was. It's not about that though. No, I know they're, they're characters. I understand, yeah. but that's a small. That's at least somewhat of an aspect of this, right? A little bit of an aspect yeah. is, is in ring. Not all of it, obviously. That's. But when we're talking about the tag title, I know it's like there's there's one team that I associate those gold like fucking rectangular belts with more than anyone else, right? It's it's the demolition. <sighs> Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And I think they're really hard to knock off, and I think they only have sort of counterparts in the 90s that even meet their criteria. Well, let's be fair here. They're, in a good way, their win was impressive at WrestleMania 4, very memorable. Mm -hmm. We got to see a couple of their defenses at WrestleFest, like I said, in SummerSlam. They wrestle basically the same match every time, which is kind of the antithesis of the Hart Foundation, but we'll let that be as it may, right? But they had so much personality. Well, they did, yeah, and they were very over. They yeah. were the most over um, team, probably, for years. They are more over than LOD was in WF. In w- yeah, and that's partially because of brand loyalty, probably, subconsciously, yeah. and also Vince booked the LOD crappily. But yes, they were much more over than LOD in WWF. You say he booked them crappily, but I always felt they were... Gi- puppet! They- <laughs> yeah, no, there's the puppet, but at the, at the same time, they were really like... They, they were, were dominant. They, they were dominant. Sour yeah. and gory, if you get I my mean, drift. I mean, they just kicked everyone's fucking ass. They did. They got a bunch of promo time. You're they, right, you're right. They, you know what I mean? They got the... They never lost, they really. They never <laughs> lost. They, they were treated like they were legends, like, even when they just showed True. up. Like, it was just like... Okay, you're, you're right. It's almost like... See, this is what always pissed me off about the demolition thing. It's like, they come in... And the way the WF talks about them and treats them is like, oh, this is the real demolition. You've yeah. just been you've just been watching frauds this yeah. whole time, and you're just like, fuck you! Like th- these frauds, they're better than the regular demolition. They anchor the that, regular uh, yeah. LOD. They anchored that tag division for a couple yeah. of years. There, demolition did, uh, and you know what? They were okay in the ring. I'll be fair to them. They're not great, but they were okay. I mean, that two out of three falls match with the Hearts is again very good. Even even if it's like Axe and Crush also involved, yeah, it's X. still like legendary that match. The one against uh, the Hearts at SummerSlam '88 is pretty good, to be yeah. honest with you. It's not that bad. Demolition's encounters with the Hearts really brought out the rest. You're like all of a sudden Axe, who's actually a good wrestler. Yes, he um, is. He can take some time to shine because he's playing a character always that is supposed to just be dominant. Yes, so it's like. When you let the Bill Eady, the man, do his ring work that he actually knows how to do because he wrestled in Japan and shit yeah. and had to know how to do. For a long time. Yeah. Like, it, that's actually really fun. And seeing Barry Darso kind of flow with it. Yeah. It just shows, like, oh, he's a real professional, you know? I agree. I think they're a really, a really good team. Again, I think the hearts are better in the ring, but that's not what this is all about. Yeah, I think it's got to be demolition just because they're... They are pretty much, like you said, the king of the tag division when you think late 80s. They just are. Yeah. I love the hearts. 
I like them more than Demolition. They are they are very, 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 very good. But the Demolition is the Demolition. I think I have to agree with you. Yeah. I think they should top the list right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I do, but I think the Hearts are a close number two. True. Because they are another really good team that prior to Demolition, they kind of bookend Demolition. Yeah. They were the team before Demolition, and they were the team after. Right. And that's kind of cool if you think about it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were the... The 87, you know, the they anchored it there, and then they picked it back up again in 9091, and they're very good. I got to give the nod to the demos, though. Yeah, let's they're, do it. For their first reign alone. Yeah. For their first reign alone. And longest reigning tag team champions. Up until the it's new day. It's kind of like, you know what's funny? It's like the honky-tonk man thing. Kind of. But it's like they were actually, like, dominant. Honky Tonk was his his, yeah. his his length is due to being a dick. Yeah, and, I know. And being rubbery and, and shitty. And this is do- yeah, <laughs> like it's on purpose though. Right. And the other thing too is uh, their third win. Their third win is, is great. That yeah. is a classic moment. Yeah. Three P. It's up there. I mean, it's probably a little better than the Hearts winning it at SummerSlam ninety. They're neck and neck, but yeah. All right, demo. <laughs> Okay, so demolition, demolition. One. Yeah, okay. All right, well, that'll lock it in, folks, for uh, for week two here. Of course, you can let us uh, know yours. You can do that on Twitter. You can do that on the group. But let's congratulate now the greatest tag team champion, the new greatest tag team champion right now. It is Demolition at number one. Number two, very respectable, the Heart Foundation. Number three, the Dudley Boys. And at number four is the Brain Busters. Again, let us know yours. But, Quinn, when we come back... Grab a spot of tea because we are going over to jolly old England. It is World of Sport Wrestling, and that is coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Front wrestling we're talking about smoky mountain and the nwa it's booking the territory so again our three friends of the show the new day podcast greetings from allentown and booking the territory all right yo something act we're standing up here with these tag team belts and that means we're number one so that means everybody on the totem pole wants us and you know what that means? We can fight anybody we want as long as they put their names on the dotted line. And if it's the Rhythm and Blues, or if it's the Rockers, the Heart Foundation, it don't matter because we love a good fight and we're going to beat everybody. We're not going to hide from anybody. We hear you boasting and yelling, Heart Foundation. You used to be champions, but we represent the championship. We hold the gold belts. That means we're in your way. Rockers, we're in your way. Rhythm and Blues, we're in your way. And you know something? There's nothing you can do about it. In a few moments after ITN, Dickie Davis presents World of Sport. And hello, Governor. Welcome back, wrestling fans. Crikey. Crikey to our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 173. Michael, do you have your tea? 
I do. Okay, I have my good. crumpets. You have your crumpets? Cricket, crumpet. You got to know what a crumpet is to yeah. understand cricket. All right. So it's time for World of Sport Wrestling, folks. And we'll get to that in a second here. Quinn, what, by the way, you're our British culture expert here. What is high tea? I think it's like just if you do it at noon. Is that real? Like what the high means. It's high? Yeah. What, because the sun is high? It's the highest point of the day, too. It's like the peak of the day. It's the right. middle. So. so is this high tea that we're having right now? You want to have some high I tea? I, I guess. Or yeah, but usually tea? like with the high tea also, it's like kind of like a more fancier affair. You have to have like white tie and all that shit. And all yeah. that shit. I don't want to wear It's suit. like a little more formal. So we'll just do low tea? Yeah. Low I tea. Think it's, just, it's just tea. I don't think there is low tea. It's just assumed to be low? Yeah, it's just known. It's just like we're just having like tea. Like, whatever, lunchtime. Jolly good. You know what's weird about that country in general? It's, it's a lot just, of things. It's just odd that tea is, like, one of those, like, it's just a drink, right? But, like, <laughs> it's, like, their whole... I just find it amazing that even to this day that it's still, like, a thing that we do. Like, we just take a break from wherever we're doing to have some fucking Lipton. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just amazing. You heard it here first. Tea. It's just a drink. Yeah. So, folks, World of Sport Wrestling here. We've done this. It's been about three years since we did one of these. And Richard Land, mm-hmm. fellow Brit, of course, wanted us to do another one. So here you go, Richie. This is available on YouTube if you want to watch it. You can see it as World of Sport Wrestling number 29 on YouTube. This promotion, <laughs> I have to tell, I have to give a little background, okay? This aired, the wrestling portion, as part of a long TV block on ITV called World of Sport. Yes. Now, World of Sport aired from 1965 until 1985. And this is generally the lineup here. It would start around noon, I guess right after high tea. 12.20 yeah. it started. Yeah, high tea. They give you yeah. time to have your wonder tea. wonder if I'm even right about the high I tea hope time. You are. time. I, it makes sense though, right? We have some. We have a lot of Brits actually. That's our second most yeah. popular country. So let us know uh, what the hell high tea is. But anyway, we would start with some uh, some football, the footy, a little, uh, little talk about the footy. And then we would have a sports special, which would usually include stuff like a snooker. <laughs> snooker? What even is that? Like Jimmy Snooker. Uh, it's like pool. Billiards? I see. You'd get some darts, maybe. Some uh, some rallying? What is that? Anyway, then, then there'd be racing. And then there'd be some miscellaneous crap. And at 4 o'clock. 4. 4 o'clock on World of Sport. A weird time. You'd get your wrestling. And this was there from the beginning until the end, the wrestling part. Okay? So this is where the Brits saw the wrestling. Now, I don't know if they call it something else in England, because wrestling sounds very, you know, just blue-collar. I don't know. It said professional wrestling at the beginning. True. The grappling, maybe. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. If you're not familiar with British wrestling, it's not like I'm any kind of an expert, but it's its own thing, man. British style wrestling is its own thing. Now, today, now it seems to be just merged. It's like exactly the same. They have, like, they still do the old school in certain areas. Do do they do the rounds anymore? But they also do the, the American style. Right, because like I know there's NXT UK, and then there's like there's a bunch of promotions there that like are associated with it, and yes. they just do regular old wrestling, the American style, yeah. right? But there is the British style, which is the Admiral Lord Mount Evans rules. Who? And what these are is you have rounds, you have weight classes. The rules are as follows: you can win by pin, which is normal, right? Submission, but there's also knockout, which is if the wrestler is down from a throw, the referee counts like in That's boxing, like in regular wrestling. Though. No, no, no. One wrestler down, not not both guys down. Oh, oh. If you get knocked down in the ring, just like in boxing, the, the oh, referee yeah, I counts. The ref doing that. Yes. I was like, what? 
And there's also, of course, like a technical knockout and a disqualification. So is this just like the wrestling version of Duchess of Queenberry rules? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, because it's like the Lord Admiral of stupid rules or yeah, whatever this Admiral is. Admiral Lord Mount Evans. Sorry. Now, this was, that was, those rules came together, by the way, in 1947. But did Stu Hart have anything to say about Stu that? Stu Hart was in uh, Western Canada and Montana. Yeah, but I'm sure he, he consulted. He <laughs> do rounds. Do a knockout. Yeah. Type of thing. Tiger. Helping the Brits along. Now, the... British equivalent of the NWA. Very creative name here. Oh, boy. Joint promotions. <laughs> eh, at least it's less let- it's letters. Ve- it's That's very to the point. Jo- it's like, this is what it is. <laughs> this, this is our We're wrestling. We're not going to say it's wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Joint, joint promotions. Not, it's not JWP. It's not no. joint wrestling promotions. It's just that, joint promotions. <laughs> like we Don't worry about the wrestling part. <laughs> and that was essentially uh, the UK's version of the NWA, where it's a conglomerate of the different wrestling how many, promotions. How many things could you have in one, like, on an island? Like, there's, no. like, <laughs> like, there's only, like, three kingdoms. So, like, what, would there be three different promotions? I don't know how many there were, but... In Northern Ireland, so maybe four. Don't forget Northern Ireland. Most people yeah. do. You don't yeah. want to forget Northern Ireland, okay? We're here for you guys. If we have any Northern Irish listeners right, out right. there, let us know. Send us a postcard to Ogden, Utah. That's in the United States. But anyway, this was the uh, Joint Promotions was founded in 1952 and actually stuck around all the way until 1995. There was a lot of stuff, a lot of business in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. But that is the company here that presented the wrestling portion of the world of sport. Okay, just so we're clear. Like I said, it's its own thing. But believe it or not, it's pretty fun. It's pretty different. It's not bad. It's pretty good. It's interesting. Any association with Big Daddy aside, <laughs> yes. um, it's it's okay. Do we need to mention, we should re-up on Big Daddy real so quick. So he's this big fat guy yes. who's apparently like the Hulk Hogan of British wrestling Essentially, or something. except he's like 50 and looks like Joe Dorita from the Three Stooges. <laughs> really, Zeke was. He really is like... I don't understand why he's the big draw. He is the big draw. Like, you would think, I know Dynamite Kid is on this show, no spoilers, but he is. Yeah. And it's like, you would think that, seeing how over he is, you would right. think that would be their Hulk Hogan, right? No. Like, the big fat guy. The, he's a big, big fucking fat, fat guy. Yeah. man. And his biggest feud, of course, was with giant haystacks, not to be confused with haystacks Calhoun. So two big fat men. Yes. That was fighting the, over fatness. That's England for you right there. Yeah. I guess it's just it comes from the old thinking of like the bigger the better with wrestling. It's no. like how could they beat him? Yeah, like, you know how do you knock down a guy that fucking fat? <laughs> like, I'm serious. I guess I guess you're right. Go ahead. So let's get into it, folks. Again, if you want to see it on YouTube, it's uh, listed under World of Sport Wrestling number 29. But it's it is just there. Too. It's you just don't there. Have to, you don't no searching for no. this one. Just go on YouTube. World of Sport 29. Yep. And this was taped, thank you, Richie, for this info. This was taped November 3rd, 1976. I thought it had to be 70s. I just wasn't sure. Yeah, it doesn't say the date. Richie found that out for us. This is a re-airing. I don't know from when. Sometime in the mid-80s. There was a part, like the intro and the end or something, where it seemed like, oh, this is kind of like a best of classics on demand, if you will. This is a re-airing from from the mid-80s, probably 85, if I had to guess. But uh, let's get into it, Quinn. How does it start here? It's, it's very boisterous English music. Yeah. It, like, fires up. Yeah. It's, like, very parade. Yes, I, Revolutionary I, War March. No, it's, yeah. it's a little goofier than that, they, I would think. Some of those songs are yeah. goofy. You ever hear it with the pickle of flute? Yeah, I know. I, I had to hear it <laughs> a lot. So big, yeah, you did. Big fat daddy is here in the intro, looking like an old baker or something. Oh, no. Like, immediately when I see he's the first thing you see, and I'm like, I'm concerned what we stumbled onto here. Now, did you see Hulk Hogan? in the intro i saw some wf in general yes like i saw like the british bulldogs yes. and stuff 
That's why I can tell this is a re-airing, obviously, from yeah. the mid-80s. Because sometimes they would incorporate the WWF stuff so were they, into World of Sport. Were they in some kind of agreement with them? Or, like, what was their association with Vince? Probably Vince just got a cut from this, is what I'm imagining. A very small one. That's probably all yeah. it is. Some licensing thing. Licensing thing. Anyway, in the intro here, uh, Big Daddy gets his ass spanked by somebody. Professional wrestling. Yes, that's what this is. Uh, yeah. Giant haystacks with a big fat elbow. This music is way too wacky, and it feels like Monty <laughs> Python or something. I think that's what I was that I couldn't get my finger on until just now. I was like Monty Python, maybe a little bit, a little yeah. Pythony. Uh, we cut right to the ring now, where an old coot introduces the first contest, which will be in five six-minute rounds. The first contest. It is over six five-minute rounds. And the ring looks like shit, and we're like in like a pub from the 18th century. Like I swear, it's like it looks like an old pub, like that you see in a movie. Where like you know, like Barry Lyndon or something. Like Barry, Barry Lyndon. You ever see that movie? No. It, it's a Stanley Kubrick film. No. Well, anyway, he's, sorry. There, at the end of the movie, he's like a big fucking drunk. Okay. And like he's a rich big fucking drunk, and yeah. he's just like in this pub, and it looks like one, this room that they're in. <laughs> like it's just like he's just sitting in a fucking chair, like falling over just i guess that's what they did with the drunks back then they're like they just go go to the pub but it's like it's like looks like an old english house old and you just church like, or something yeah, yeah you just like and then all the drunks just sit there and just drink in front of the fire i think they still do that in yeah. england richie anyway introduce first is the 17 year old that we're told dynamite kid. good lord did they just not have laws i don't know what is with the wrestle with kids wrestling it seems to be like a heart association <laughs> kind of thing too you know my uh my nephew uh matt was nine when he wrestled like what stop <laughs> so you, then you put the arm in the leg <laughs> what about just playing tag yeah <laughs> why do you have to wrestle when you're so young anyway. come down to the dungeon <laughs> dynamite here is legitimately wearing tidy whities i'm not kidding folks that's what he's I, wearing all he had <laughs> it wasn't exactly a booming business no it in wasn't the 70s. <laughs> introducing once again the 17 year old wonder from Waddington the dynamite kid and his opponent is tally okay yeah he's dressed like a jockey <laughs> like an actual like a horse you know, jockey, a horse jockey yes. like the old timey version so we got one guy wearing jockeys and the yeah. other one's dressed like what tally ho okay Ho? Yeah. It's well, amazing. I love it. I just England. called him Jockey yeah, the whole time. <laughs> it's it's, it's just easier to write. <laughs> the referee is dressed like a fucking orchestra conductor or something. I don't know. Maybe a butler. Yeah. <laughs> I can't make any of this shit up. Like, he looks like a butler, but like wacky. Like, his name should be Jeeves. Like, the, the other thing is he has like the big boss man pants, but they're tight. <laughs> the like, with the, pants, with the yeah. white, with the yellow stripe it's, on the side. It's but, real. But he's got kind of a wacky bow tie. Like, he's like a more fun ref. He's like a, a rodeo clown or something. <laughs> Let's start the match here. Side headlock by Tally Ho as a friendly announcer welcomes us now. Hello again, Grapple fans. Good afternoon to you and welcome once again. Welcome, Grapple fans. It's real. Like, it's it's 100% real. It's like, it's welcome wrestling fans for us. Yes. Just in England, it's great. I guess you should start, like, you know what you should do from now on? You should change just for the English feed. Uh, we can have an English feed, and it just starts with... The only difference is it says, Welcome, Grapple fans. Hello, Grapple fans! Yeah. <laughs> we are told that we're in the Albert Hall in Bolton. How not, many Albert Halls are there? This is not the royal one. I yeah. looked. I, not royal. I mean, I know Prince Albert was like notable for building a bunch of shit in England. True. That's why his name's on everything, but how many of them are there for real? Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Right. Good one. Tally horrible. Thank you. Uh, Chinlock by Ho. <laughs> kid, kid, Dynamite Kid looks like he's your size here, Quinn. He I, is I could take him. Yeah, I, don't I, know I about could that. probably, I could probably wrestle him. I've been running. 
You know? I'm in good shape now. Kickoff by the kid here gets a good pop, I gotta say. Yeah, the crowd is good, by the they way. Are. I need to give some props to this crowd. This Royal Albert Hall or non-Royal no, just, Albert. Just a, a regular Albert Hall. Regu- regular Albert. <laughs> this is too lowly for the Royal Right, one. of course. Uh, lock up front face lock by Ho and a few kicks. A snap mare there. Yeah, I feel like I'm watching golf with this announcer, but like in a good way. Yes. It's like, oh, and he's uh, going for a headlock <laughs> he's there. Good. Like, you know, like it's, it's very like calming. I watched this pretty late. I think it was like. There was a whole thing with my iPad. It wasn't charged up Always when I started. Incident. So it was like 1230 at night. Right. And like, I got to tell you, in a good way, I was like getting very like relaxed. Like my eyes were starting to like close a little bit. Like just happily watching this. Yeah. Boy on the canvas, the moment of the plane trunks. 17 year old from uh, near Warrington from Goldborn, actually near Warrington. Now, the referee is Brian Crabtree, which is an English name if I've ever heard one. And Crabby. I have a note here about Mr. Crabby. Okay. He is the brother of Shirley Crabtree. Who? Who you might know as Big Daddy. Come on. Now, He's like his friends, basically. Their other brother is Max Crabtree, who was one of the promoters. Oh. So there you go. All, all the con- family. It's all connected. The Crab family tree. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Were you born a cheeky prat? Right then. Tea time, you asshole. Cheerio now. Waist off by kid down in the mat. Tally Ho makes the ropes here. Both men up. Lock up in an armbar by Ho, a ringer and a flip. Tally Ho, by the way, is the heel. He bitches at the crowd for a bit. The crowd is so chipper. They're so I really like it. it. They're like, whoa! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it's great. Monkey flip by kid to another big pop. Irish whip and Tally Ho tumbles down weirdly. Monkey flip again by dynamite. And apparently you can get counted down, like I was saying, like boxing. Fucking England. I love it. Just every time, though. It's like yeah. they're down for like two seconds. One, One two. two. Like it's like very like boisterous. <laughs> Like, it's like, hey, you better get the fuck up. Like, no screwing around <laughs> down there. Don't be barking up that crab yeah. tree. Uh, lock up in a side headlock by Tally Ho into a single leg takedown. Kid in the ropes with a break. Tally Ho yells at the crowd, he's a coward! And then proceeds to stay on the ropes and cower himself. Very heel. Hair I pull- like this guy, by the way, he's Tally good. Ho. He's, he's not bad. He looks like a slob. It's great. Yeah, but he's got the, the pants, so it less slobbins <laughs> him. Like, he's got the riding pants. And they say his name on his ass, too, which yeah. is always good. It's, it's, it, it's literally, he took riding pants and, like, taped his name on <laughs> Tape. I'm not kidding. Like, would just put black tape to make his name. That's well, like, like what electrical it is. tape. The announcer even notes it's like he's got writing pants <laughs> he on. He's got legit it. writing it's pants real. on. Better known face on the right of your screen there in the writing. Jodhpur's, if that's the word. Hair pull takedown by Tally Ho and a face lock, but kid with a wrist lock and a slam. Crowd, like we were saying, Quinn, they are into the match. I love this. Yeah, it, they love it. They're, they love it so much. Don't you just love it? Uh, Tally Ho grabs a body slam and some stomps now. By the way, the announcer called that body slam a pile driver, <laughs> which I'm, what? He did. Oh, he pile drove him now. Uh, kid back up with a wrist lock again as round one ends as some trainers hop into the ring with spit buckets like it's boxing. Can, this is so strange. Can we just wrestle? <laughs> like, why do we need these breaks? <laughs> Like, it feels like it it, al- it extends the match, but in an unfair way, it, like, allows the guys losing to, like, get a second chance, and it's kind of, like, unfair. It's very sport, Quinn. Remember, this is sport. This I is don't very really, serious. I don't understand. Serious. Just from a kayfabe level, it just seems unfair to whoever's Well, it's a round dominating. system. So it's just round by round by round. Uh, round two begins now. Overhead suplexa by Tally Ho, and he armbars Kid on the mat. Kid with a kickoff. Back to his feet. Irish whip and a drop kick by Dynamite. Tally Ho with a hair pull takedown. And some choking, so the ref issues <laughs> a public warning. In round two, ladies and gentlemen, Tally Ho K receives his first public warning. 
What does that even mean? <laughs> it's a like, thing. It, it, he's just like, they announced it too. They're yeah. like, oh, but this guy was a fucking asshole. <laughs> Public warning. It's real. Now, like, so apparently they explained something to the effect of like, if you get three public warnings, you're DQ'd. Yes, so correct. I have a question actually. Like, this is the first thing that arose in my brain. Yes. Wouldn't it make sense if you're the heel? You're essentially told you have two shots to do illegal shit. Yes, correct. So it seems kind of bullshit because you can just be like, well, I, I can kick him in the balls in the first public warning and then I can like rake his eyes in the second or like strategically plan out my illegal right, moves. Choke him out. And why is the face not doing it either? Because it's like. Well, because they're stand up guys. I know, obviously. but you have. Yeah, in the rules, you can, though. You have two opportunities to cheat True. before you're DQ'd. But it's still unethical. I mean, that would be very ungentlemanly for the sport. Yeah, but you could just take him out in a second, just kick him in the fucking balls and pin him. Kick him in the knickers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are knickers? It's just it's what underwear is called in England. Got it. That's all it is. That's the only difference. <laughs> Back up in a corner whip and kid goes down. Leg lock by Tally Ho and he grabs the ropes for leverage. Uh, both men up more hair pullery by Ho. Kid with a knee lift. Tally Ho gets a second and final public warning from I love how formal this is. It's so yeah, funny. But again, Tally Ho's the smart one because he realizes <laughs> I got two fucking chances. Like I can, well, if, I, if I don't take him out with the first, I could take him out with the second. You know, you, you might be onto something you here. Punch him in the fucking face. With a closed fist. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. You're not going to get DQ'd, though. No, you have, the, you have two warnings. You have two warnings. Public warnings. Public warnings. It's it's only if they're public does it matter, because there's points also where the ref is like, hey, yeah, hey, like, <laughs> yeah. I may public warn you for this. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like the pre-warning. Yeah. It's like, this is a private warning, motherfucker, but yeah. I might publicly warn you, so it cut just, it out. But all I'm saying is it just seems really cheap for the heels. Like, they, they, they ha- they're they literally allowed to cheat twice. It's psychology, man. Yeah. It works. I think it works. A kid grabs a wrist lock slam, but tell with a double leg and a flare pin, which the referee notices. No warning, no private warning. Kid then leapfrogs over the referee and lands on top of K on the ropes. That was awesome. And then the ref happily warns Kid. He's like, hey, don't do that to me. Yeah, almost public warning. <laughs> yeah. But he's a face, so yeah, we're so. not going to public warn him. He's also a kid, which is yeah. weird. Like, literally a dynamite kid. Literally a dynamite child. <laughs> Thrill. Big punch by K sends Kid down to the mat. How is this so good, by the way? It's like, this match is excellent. It is! I have to admit. You know what? It really does go to show you how, like, you know how Bret Hart, you know know, Dynamite Kid's the best wrestler I ever saw? He's one of the best wrestlers I ever worked with. He really was good. excellent. from the beginning. Literally, he's 17. He seems like a fucking professional. Like a seasoned pro, man. In the middle man. of this, they mention he's like, you know, he debuted when he was 12 or something. He started his amateur career at 12. Like, yeah. what? He had just turned pro in September just this year. In, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so weird, I that know. whole age thing. <laughs> it is weird. Body slammed by K, but Kid gets his feet on the ropes. Eight seconds left in the round here as K yells at the crowd, but time runs out for round two. Oh, come on. I know. This. Wrestle, right? Yeah, just, just get it done. I want to see the wrestling. Uh, Burt Royal, who is the captain of Dynamite Kids team. I don't know what that is. No, okay, so I think I figured this out as I was watching it, and it's yeah, only after I was thinking about it. So it sounded like they kept saying before the match that this is part of some kind of, like, championship series. Or, yes, like, right. There's, like, points or some shit. Like, it's basically like... Um, like the it, AWA team challenge? It's, it's like, what's the golf or the Ryder Cup? Where it's sure. like you're a team and you're, gain, you're amassing points based on like your golf that day and then the team with the most points. It sounds like that's what this is. I think you're right. So 
Dynamite, I guess this match is part of that. Yes. And, and so Dynamite, but his captain for his team is the Royal Burt, the Burt old Royal, the old Royal man. Yep. And he hops into the ring actually in the break here to give kids some advice. Uh, he's a man in a gold robe with no pants. That's very, really all you need to know. He's old. Very apt description. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> and there's uh, there's teams. Like we said, it's pretty interesting. Uh, round three begins. Snapmare by Kid. Monkey flip again, but Tally Ho with a punch and the ref gets a little huffy, but no warning. Corner whip by K. Double underhook. Nothing. He just keeps him in a double underhook. He tries to hip toss, but Dynamite lands on his feet. It's beautiful. Really really good. good stuff. Crisp. Another blatant punch by K, but the ref still doesn't do anything. Hey, can you, like, warn him, please? <laughs> like, what's going on? Cheater. Kid hops right back up, though, with a double leg into a roll-up, and he gets the pin. Good. Nicely up, can he hold it? Two. He's got it. The kid's made it. This was gritty. This was fun. It was very good shit. <laughs> it like, was. It was just like a very, like, what a good match to put on as the first match. Like, it makes you want to actually watch the I rest know. of this stupid show. <laughs> Like to it's be fair, true. like if they had put this on last, I would have. If they put the next match on, oh god, first, oh god, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, the ring announcer, can I ask for a hand for the loser, ladies and gentlemen? So this is like becomes a trend. I didn't know this was a thing in England, but you're supposed to like so clap polite. for the loser. It's so polite, but but I have a feeling it's like an in joke. Of course, it's like something that like they just do as a society. It's like give the participation award kind yeah. of thing. It's almost like very dubious. But right, of course, like, the crowd boos. Right, the crowd will boo because Tally Ho was a loser. Because sometimes the announcer would just be like, "And the loser, here yeah. he is!" <laughs> like almost like gorilla. There goes the loser. There go the losers. Yeah. Dare I ask for a hand for the loser, ladies and gentlemen? Our next match is already immediately in the ring as Tally Ho is still leaving. Yeah, and he's bitching. not even like gone yet. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we have to move yeah, along here. Like, Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, first from Bolton, which is where we are. It's Burt Royal, the yeah, captain of the team. There he is. Just he's already out there anyway. Yeah. His opponent, Kenny Hogan. Yeah, Hulk's English brother. I of guess course. he does look like a dumpy Hulk. Like, just not as big. Like, not as big, but the hair, I mean. Yeah, the hair is, like, 1979 Hogan hair. Well, Hogan had one. I just mean to say, like, different. It's like a different haircut. Right. But with a mustache. I think he looks like a politician. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Parliament. English Uh, politician. Brian Crabtree will be the ref again. Burt Royal looks like a lawyer or something. He has that, like, that very lawyery, balding look to him. You know what I mean? Get a lock up in the side headlock by Hogan, but Royal reverses to an armbar. And now the crowd is dead because there's like no dynamite hey, there they're, they're just like it's like Mar- mario all-stars thing yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing i always compare it to head scissors by hogan royal escapes up to his feet snapmare takedown by royal armbar takedown now by royal into a head scissors hogan kips out nicely done both men up go behind now by royal into a surfboarding double chin lock back up side headlock by royal into a side headlock takeover get on with this like seriously like it's just a lot of resting it's a lot of resting. It feels like they're trying to do like the strategy thing going on. It's like a lot of feeling each other yeah, out, feeling each other out. They're yeah. both uh, acting very uh, polite here, by the yeah. way. There's no heel in this match right. yet. Hogan escapes into a hammer lock and then a wrist lock. See, now it's a backhammer, whatever that means. It's arm shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's how I call anything that's like anything that works on the arm. It's arm shit. Arm shit. Yeah. Wow. Fucking creative there, mate. Both men up, wrist-locked by Royal into an armbar takedown. To silence. Yeah, it's weird. Absolute silence. Crowd was so hot for the opener. And it's now like they're just... fucking Japan here all of a sudden. It went from England to Japan. Cricket feet. Yeah. <laughs> Cricket feet. <laughs> K- K- 
tip up by Hogan, hammerlock by Royal, hard back elbow by Hogan to escape and send Royal to the outside, back in and a rolling angle takedown by Royal into a weird seated cloverleaf backbreaker. Like I like that move a lot. Really good spot. Uh, Royal looks like he's taking a dump. Yeah. <laughs> Hogan then flips over into a cover for one. That shitty pin. Yeah, like, like just a, a shitty like dumpy pin. There's a lot of that though in this. Yeah, just like the half-ass pin. Yeah. Both men are up. Head scissors by Hogan. Royal grabs one as well. Back up and a wrist left by Royal into a short arm scissors. Irish whip out by Hogan. Royal through the legs though with a double leg, but Hogan evades. Hogan charges. O'Connor roll by Royal gets a zero count. Body slam by Hogan is nicely done. Royal is up. Stop Mare and a stomp. Wrist lock now on the map by Royal. As the crowd is just dead silent again. Yep. End around one. Honestly though, this is pretty interesting yeah, stuff. That, so that's the that's the interesting thing about this, I, I will admit. It's you, good. It, it's it's raw wrestling and it's actually okay. So it's kind of weird that like the crowd is bored by it. I like it. I don't know. It feels like it's a slow build. They do get a little more excited near the end, but like still. For all the, the shit I always say about like, oh, uh, you know, wrestling is not just about holds and unique characters. For whatever reason, the way they do it in England, because we like the last world of sport we did too, for the most it, part. It feels like it's telling a story. It feels like it's, yes. like it's like there's an actual match going on here. It's not just to kill time. Right. There's like, a, it's a struggle. It's a contest. Yeah. It's kind of like they're tit for tat with each other and it's kind of like who's going to make the mistake first seems to be what the story is matching it seems to be conveyed well perfectly yeah, yeah, and it's oddly relaxing it, it really is yeah it really honestly is folks uh, we find out now from the announcer in the break here that burt was the middleweight champion for a long time he never lost the belt but he went above middleweight so he couldn't be the champion anymore <laughs> what a convoluted reason why he's not the champion <laughs> the announcer's like he never bothered to get his weight back down he, he got fat <laughs> yeah that's, ba- that's basically what they're saying defended it many times never lost it until finally clayton thompson took it over then he never got that one back because he went slightly overweight, didn't bother to bring his weight down to the middleweight. Round two starts, waistlock takedown by Hogan. Royal escapes both men up, single leg by Royal into an Indian deathlock variation here. Hogan escapes both men up. Good stuff, and the crowd is bored. I know, unfortunately. It's unfortunate. Quick short arm scissors takedown by Royal, and Hogan rolls around to escape. It's good. <laughs> Who would have thought this, like, rusty-looking Hogan guy was this good? Yeah, Rust Hogan. Like, I could tell the Burt was because, you, could just you know, tell. like, he's, like, old, wily. He's like their Jack Briscoe Vern. or something. He's yeah, like or Vern. Vern. Yeah, right. very Vern-looking. So it's like, okay, he's probably really good in the ring. Yeah. But, but, but Hogan just looks like a jabroni, and he's actually, like, not bad. He's excellent, yeah. I wonder if he became somebody else. No. no. I looked. He's just Hogan. I'll say it now. Every wrestler, with the exception of the Dynamite Kid, yeah. that we're going to see on this show tonight, they're all specifically just in England, English okay. wrestling scene. No no breakout anywhere no else. No Steve Regals here. No, no Steve Regals. Uh, Dynamite is the only one that crossed over into the, you know, to the U.S. and Canada. And- did Regal participate in this at all? Because they yes. always would talk about his, like, weird, like, whatever he did before. I don't know if he was w. in the world of sport, because he was born in 68, so he could have been turned pro at 17. He probably did. They said he did. Oh. Like, he, <laughs> like, he fought in Blackpool, like, as a child. Yeah. Or another child wrestler. So, I don't know if it was World of Sport, but yes, the British style Regal used to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yes, just to clarify, none of these guys became anything outside of England. Mm -hmm. They're in their niche here in England. Okay. Besides Kid. So anyway, here, Hogan grabs the ankle and lets go to let Royal up. Very gentlemanly. 
Beal tossed by Hogan. Monkey flip, but Royal is on his feet with a drop kick. He tries another, but Hogan moves out of the way and goes for a Boston Crab. Royal flips out of it, though, into a Rana pin, which is reversed by Hogan and re-reversed by Royal into a bridging pin for the win. It's good stuff. It's too bad the crowd was shite. <laughs> like, seriously, like, they're bad. The fucking crowd. They didn't yeah, even care. I know. Like, that, that, that was a great ending. It was. But a bunch of prats. Uh, this was good. Yeah. Both men hug, handshake, hug. Nice stuff here. Very pleasant. Very pleasant. It feels like actual sport yes like you know what i'm saying like it's like it feels like oh, it's like wow that was a great match we good both game. had like yeah good game good game it's <laughs> like you know what and that's what i wonder uh, about the whole age thing yeah because i was thinking this as we're doing this oh, right no. and like shower wonder, thoughts from quinn i just wonder if it's not the same connotation over there as far as like if you start early like to them it's like something that you do when you're young before you go to university or something it's like wrestling you know like, it's still... Maybe. Yeah, it's just the way this is all handled. It feels like it's very professional and not, like, but also, like, has, like, an amateur kind of way to it where it's a sport. It's very sport. In yeah. all seriousness. They, they, not, not not to be make jokes, but, like, I don't know, maybe that's why the, like, maybe there's actually younger divisions that don't make it on TV. Like, you know what Quinn, I mean? Like, yeah. that it's just, it's literally a sport. Maybe. Because you, there is, like, kids in high school who wrestle at 14. Yes, this like is even true. in America. No, so I'm wondering if it's like kind of the same thing. You might be right. Uh, anyone that knows, let us know. Yeah. Obviously, please. Uh, the ring announcer here says, "May I ask for your appreciation for the jolly good loser, ladies and gentlemen?" And of course, <laughs> again, it's so <laughs> yeah, it's so like tongue in cheek. And they like Hogan, so yeah. they, they do clap for him. Gotta love England, man. Uh, time for our next match here from Bolton again. It's Vic Faulkner, who, if you told me was Les Thornton, I might believe you because he has <laughs> the same hair as Les Thornton, and his opponent is. Black Jack Mulligan. Black Jack Mulligan. Wait, what? <laughs> but it's not like that blackjack. It's not that blackjack. It's some bald, hairy guy with a giant beard. Honestly, he looks like Captain Jack Sparrow or something. <laughs> like he's like that blackjack. He looks like a jobber if they even have those in World of Sport. But since it's England, they're probably not even called jobbers. They're probably called like he pl- don't wrestle like a jobber. No, they're probably called like plowman duddies or something because you know the way England is. But anyway, is your name Dane Cook? Because you are unfunny as fuck. Vic Faulkner is apparently Burt Royal's younger brother. So why is he not Royal? I wonder that myself. Because they're like, oh, he's in a tag team, the Royals. It's like, what? Yeah, but uh, Burt Royal's real last name is Faulkner. Oh, Herbert okay. Fa- Faulkner. I see. So. Still, it's weird that they call them the <laughs> yeah, Royals. Vic then. Faulkner. Why aren't they the Faulkners? In the ro- I don't know. <laughs> Quick takedown by Faulkner here. Blackjack is up with a bear hug. I like this Jack guy because he's like aggressive. Yeah, he's very working class. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like He's very just gritty. He's and- kind of like the Johnny Rods of this show, right? It's okay. Like he's like trying to get his win. Okay, I'll give you that. Yep. Ear clapped by Vic to escape the bear hug. Off the ropes. Beal tossed by Faulkner. Up again. Tossed by Blackjack. Front face lock now, but both guys get in the ropes. Full Nelson by Mulligan, but the fingers aren't locked and Vic uses a thrust with his ass to escape. Snapmare by Vic and a hard stomp to the chest. Blackjack with a single leg and a rolling toehold. Both men up. Mulligan with a choke that he tries to hide from the referee. You jerk. That's not nice. Don't do that. Off the ropes and a toss by Mulligan. Kicks and stomps by Mulligan. Vic is back up but right into a bear hug. Side headlock now by Mulligan but the ref has some issues with that for whatever reason. I don't know the rules. He was was very like (laughs) Picky with Mulligan. I don't know like what his issue with him was. 
It's like I just don't like you. Yeah, I think that's what. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, hey, don't, don't, don't headlock him. It's, it's like, like what? It's legal. <laughs> I know. Get off his ass. Back to the bear hug now, but Vic is out and quickly grabs Mulligan by the beard. Yeah, and no warning for that. Total bullshit. Bullshit. They really did this warning thing right because because they established it. I'm like looking for it. Yeah. Now, right? It's like, I'm like, why isn't he warning him? Dude, that, that, that shit was illegal. You can't grab a guy by the beard, can it's you? crap. What would Loudmore Evans think or whatever his Admiral name? Admiral Evans or whatever Loudmore Evans. <laughs> Wait, his name's not Admiral? Admiral Lord Mount Evans. Oh, sorry. Mount. Mount. That's his, that's what they call him. In, Mount. At, like, when they're having high tea or whatever. <laughs> just, like, casually. Yeah, Mount. Hey, Mount. Hey, Mount. Hey, Mounty. Ref jumps up and literally knee drops Vic off of the, <laughs> the beard pole. I don't know what that was. Mulligan gets all sad in the corner about his beard. Did you catch that, Quinn? He's like, yeah. he's, like, stroking his beard he's sadly. Like, oh, no. <laughs> Both men up again, bear hugged by Mulligan and a thrust. Vic says, fuck you, and backs him into the corner, charging shoulder block and a bunch of punches and stomps to knock Mulligan out of the ring. And crowd love that, and I wonder why they only light up for the younger Royal and not Burt. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Good like, point. It's like you would think they wouldn't give a shit about this fucking Tony Gurria-looking <laughs> Royal guy. You know, but like, they love him. They like him better. They like him than, than Vern Royal. Maybe because Vern Royal was fighting like a very respectable man, but the crowd does not like Blackjack Mulligan. True. Here. By the way, Blackjack Mulligan, really? Yeah, can I, we just say- can, I, can I just say that I have this bad feeling that this guy's probably been around a while and that the other Blackjack Mulligan stole this from him? I th- no, I think Blackjack Mulligan was around for He wrestled in like the 60s. This fucking guy looks like he wrestled in the 60s because it's I, 76 I it could he could have been in the business for 15 years these guys get started when they're fucking 10, 10. like you know <laughs> true this guy uh, looked like a 40 year old man so he might have been around longer maybe he might Just be right. yeah he might be right back in and blackjack bells in the corner corner whipped by faulkner now kneel up by faulkner big forearm shot slammed by vic and an arm stretch thing on the mat i don't know what it's called sorry and the bell rings to end round one here is the spit bucket boys yeah, here really? they are <laughs> like literally that it's weird that there's two guys that exist just to bring in spit plastic spit pails <laughs> Like, that's what they look like. It's real. That's literally what happens. Faulkner uh, immediately takes down Blackjack to start round two. Hard corner whip. Blackjack's like half dead now. Wrist lock by Faulkner, but uh, Blackjack with a chin lock and some heel stomping, which gets him a public warning. Seriously? For, for stomping, that? yes. Like, of all the things he did. Vic pulled his beard. Yeah. And Blackjack, didn't he punch a couple times, like close hand fist? Yes. Yeah, like, I don't understand. The ref is very... Picky. I, yeah, he's very picky about his public warnings in this one. Crap tree. Because it's like, here's the thing. You don't want to burn your public warning on some bullshit. You want to burn it on a game ender. Right, like, you want to make wanna, it count. You want to, like, kick him in the balls or, right. like, just get kick hit. It. Why don't they just use a fucking chair for a public warning? Well, maybe that's an immediate DQ, no? Ah, uh, they didn't say. Discretion. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's 3-2, bottom of the knife. You want to do something you want... Uh, Baseball, sorry, that no one in England knows what that is. It's a uh, cricket with the wickets and the hurler or whatever it's called. The thrower? What is it called? I don't the tosser? know. A bunch of tossers in England. What's it called? The hurler? The thrower? Sticky wicket. The, uh, the sticky wicket. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what is Crump it called? It. I don't know what it is. It's the uh, the tosser, right? The tosser, the thing. <laughs> it's not what it's called. We're very big experts on English sports. We're very good with cricket. Vic threatens to punch us, so Blackjack bails. Side headlock again, but Vic is immediately out of the ring. Crisscross off the ropes back in. The the referee gets caught in the uh, the crossfire there. This was awesome. There. Like, yeah. The ref actually ran with it. Yeah. Like, like Crabtree or whatever. It's good. He 
By the way, can I just say about this Crabtree guy, as much as I don't like Big Daddy, his brother here is awesome. Like, <laughs> I really like him. No, he's, yeah. he plays it really well. I would have, I could have, once the World of Sport was dead, they should have picked him up and brought him to WF. He's great. He could have replaced Dick Worley. Yeah, same, he, same energy. Yeah. Oh, actually, more energy in more my opinion. Energy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Blackjack with a double leg, but Faulkner kicks off of it. Weird atomic drop by Vic, and Blackjack begs off again. Big punch to the gut by Mulligan, which the ref doesn't see. Boots and stomps now by Blackjack. Rissock takedown and another one, slamming Faulkner's arm into the mat repeatedly is Blackjack. Vic has had enough. Gets up, backs Blackjack in the corner. Some hand stomping by Vic. Blackjack with a standing arm bar, and he sneaks in an eye gouge. The referee doesn't see that. Side headlock by Blackjack now, but Vic escapes a wrist lock before yelling, Right! Jolly good! <laughs> yeah, that was like very boy. I like 100% heard him yeah, say that. It was really funny. Right! Big forearm by Vic and a beard, not a beal, a beard toss. Why is that okay? I don't know. No public. No public. Mulligan back up, though, with a double leg and a Boston Crab. <laughs> this was funny. So Vic is in the Boston Crab, and he reaches up and taps a Mulligan on the back as if he's the referee. Yeah. So Mulligan thinks that the ref's like patting him on the back. Oh, oh I didn't yeah, even notice that's that. That's what that was. That was pretty good. And so Mulligan breaks. He's like, yeah, I won. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> And the Inesh is like, that's the oldest trick in the book. Boston Crab by Mulligan. <laughs> the oldest trick in the world to get out of it, but Mulligan fell for it. He- that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. The whole time I was just like, what is he talking about? Yeah, he tapped him as if he was the referee. Oh, like, okay. Like, you won. It. Yeah, I missed it. It was so quick. <laughs> it was good. Forearm shot by Vic as Mulligan gets all upset now that he was tricked. Lock up in a side headlock and a punch by Mulligan. He grabs a, a bear hug and another punch. The ref gets hissy with Faulkner, though, finally for a punch, and gives Vic a public warning. Good! It's about damn Enough. time. Yeah, seriously. Bell rings down to end around two here. The announcer tells us that Jack Mulligan started bodybuilding at the age of 19. There you go. Whose body? Because it certainly doesn't look like he's been building well, his. I mean... <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> may, like I said, he's like 40-something here, obviously. <laughs> Maybe it's been a bit. Maybe he's been on the Snickers bars. Yeah, or whatever they have over they there. He let the muscles go. The Mars he's bars. He's skinny now. He's very flabby, too. Yeah. Uh, round three starts with a takedown by Blackjack, and he lands a flagrant stomp and gets his second and final public warning. You're right, Quinn. He's not making a shots count here. Yeah, this, he really needs to take advantage of these public warnings. For stomps? Like, yeah. you're not going to win a match with a stomp. Ball kick, I keep saying. Ball kick, yes. Yeah. Chair are, shot. <laughs> I don't know if you can do that. Things get a little terse, though. Why don't you just stab him? But you could. <laughs> public warning. Imagine. Just shoot him. Just completely dead. incapacitate him. Public warning. Go for the pin. <laughs> it's only one public warning. It's allowed. <laughs> you just you see the flaws in this? Like you could yes. do something like fatal. Yeah, Mount <laughs> Beavis or whatever didn't yeah. have his rules all together, yeah. did yeah. he? <laughs> Things get a little tense here as uh, Mulligan throws Vic into the ropes and stomps him down. Back up, another toss by Mulligan off the ropes. Crisscross again. The ref gets caught in it again. Stopped by Vic is followed by a pair of flying head scissors. Mulligan falls right out of the ring, gets back in, charges, but gets taken down. Back up in a body slam by Faulkner, and then a double knee pin gets the win. Yeah, body <laughs> slam for the win. <laughs> it actually works. We usually joke about that. Yeah. You know, he actually pinned him with a body there slam. There you go. It's different there. Hey, this was fun. Yeah, I liked it. Ring announcer tells the fans to remain in their fucking seats. Yeah, he said something Don't weird. abandon your seats. Don't <laughs> abandon your seats. I was just like, what is he? Why? What is he talking about? Apparently, there's another match that was after this. I don't know if it's not part of this show. But well, they said it, they the said it includes all the people that just wrestled. Yeah, the I'm six wondering man. if all those teams now gather together. I think that's what fight. it is. Like, for the final, like, the most points. Right, the most points. The crowd boos the loser, of course. And that's it. We abruptly shut off. 
Uh, I gotta say, British wrestling, it is sure something else is from the 70s here. It's really odd with the rules and the formalities, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's not it, bad. It's just a different style. I I liked it. I liked this show. Yeah, very strange, but entertaining. Also, no Big Daddy equals good. That's like how I want to end this. <laughs> That's true. In all seriousness, I did not need to see Big Daddy fatting around. Oh, God. Enough. But really, this... I thought I was going to hate it. Me too. I, I, I thought, thought you I, were really going to hate I it. I thought immediately I was going to just be like, fuck this show. I don't want to watch this. Yada, yada, yada. It was fine. And folks, if you have more information on British wrestling, please let us know. I don't know that much about it, and I'm interested in hearing more. Let us know what you know about it. You can send your postcards and letters to Ogden, Utah, of right. course. But, Quinn, uh, we're coming back next week. Don't worry. We'll be back, right? We're going to do we'll, another we'll, show. We'll do this This again. is not the end of the yeah. show. Yeah. Like We're continuing it's not, it's not on, the folks. the final episode. No. Anything. We'll be not back. Even close. Not even close. We'll be back next week for episode number 174. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can join our Facebook group also by the way if you have itunes apple Podcasts, leave us a review we'd really appreciate that and again if you want to support the show and get some extra content patreon.com slash ovp podcast but thank you guys so much for being with us here hang in there we will be back next week until next time joe Murata, michael quinn we're out of here see ya Welcome to a first in British television. From the World Wrestling Federation, we're offering fans of the British Isles a transatlantic treat. And today you're going to be seeing the likes of the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, and your very own British Bulldogs, along with a number of other World Wrestling Federation superstars. By the way, the British Bulldogs are from the mining area of England, in the Manchester area, from Leeds and Wiggins, respectively, Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid. And they weigh in at a collective weight of 468 pounds. I'll get this for you. Here we go. Divided by 14 or 33 and a half stones. I think that's a nice touch for our fans in the, in the British Isles. Right now, we're going to take you to the Boston Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, in North America. Commentators for this match, Gorilla Monsoon. And, of course, Judo Al Hayes. Now, you use a ball to play cricket. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very informative. <laughs>